What's going on, all you movie lover badasses out there? Fat Samurai Guy is here with Little Fat Blood, and welcome to another episode of the Verbal Nectar Podcast. That's right, the ridiculous name brought to you by Ridiculous People. So today, you know, I mean, we're hearing all kinds of movie news, right? We got Lethal Weapon 5 might come out. We got, you know, we got fucking uh, uh, Indiana Jones 5 might come out. Robert Pattinson's Batsuit was revealed for the new Batman film. But we're not going to talk about all of that. I know you guys are expecting us to talk about all of that, but this is not not what this podcast today, this episode is about. We are going to talk about, get ready for it, get ready for it, old movies! No! No! Get the cane! No! Get off my lawn, you whippersnappers! Okay, Boomer! Okay, Boomer, unsubscribe, dislike, now, anything but that, not old movies, <laughs> but fuck it, we like old movies, damn it, alright, we like movies, we like cinema of all kinds, of different genres, from different eras, so we're going to be all over the place, that's right, Yeah. we may talk about the Ten Commandments. And then the next week, it may, we may be talking about Roller Gator, the worst <laughs> film ever made. <laughs> Who knows? That's how we roll. That's how we do things here. That's how we roll. That's right. Gator. Boo. <laughs> Boo. I'm here all week, motherfuckers. You will be getting poked. Thank you. In the ribs. Oh. That's right. I got my, my left finger here. It's going to poke you. With your left finger? Yes. Okay. <laughs> specify yeah we had to specify okay that yeah all right. but yeah we like all movies of all genres and all eras and uh after the disappointing martial arts movie marathon no, that we had it, a couple it, of weeks it, ago it happens yeah yeah we at random we okay we we didn't plan this no we we, we we had no plans to do this we had a saturday where we just we were just feeling really low-key chill and I don't know what we were waiting for. We weren't really waiting for anything, but I just had this up my crawl that I wanted to pop in Wizard of Oz 4K that you had just gotten me for my birthday. Yes. And I think we were waiting for pizza to come to the house, something like that. And we didn't really have anything planned to watch for the day. And I'm like, no. you know what? I want to see how it looks on our TV. We just, you know, a couple months ago, we got a 4K TV. We finally got a 4K player. And you got me the 4K Steelbook, A right. Wizard of Oz. Now, Wizard of Oz is one of those movies that... Steelbook! That's one of the first movies I remember watching as a kid. I can tell you one of my earliest memories as a five-year-old Lady Fat Blood, Little Fat Blood, <laughs> was me with the chicken pox, home uh-huh. from school at, at the age of five, sick with the chicken pox, watching The Wizard of Oz... Yes. All day long, eating yeah. cookies, like eating animal crackers. Yes. 
home homesick from school. Mm-hmm. Like that was the first movie I ever remember like watching over and over and over. Probably po- driving my poor mama fat blood <laughs> sick. Like just probably driving her absolutely crazy because I would watch the movie over and over again. So that's one of those movies from my childhood that I don't watch it obviously like all the time. Yeah, yeah. But it's one of those movies from my childhood nostalgia. that I'm still very fond of. Yeah, it's a nostalgia. Like thing. I don't like it again. I'll watch it. I'll dust it off like once every three or four yes. years, and I'll just pop it in. Especially when there's a new release. Like obviously when it came out on DVD. Right. There was a very nice deluxe edition that that I think you got for me. Yes. And I popped in the DVD, and at the time it looked very nice. And when the blue when the DVD when the Blu-ray came out, we upgraded then, and looked very nice then and obviously with this 4k version i was like screw it i want to see what it looks like and so we decided to pop it in and of course we have this unspoken thing that same thing happened with predator a couple weeks ago with the movie Pre- not the predator but yeah. predator the real movie yeah. predator yeah fuck that other movie the, the 1987 real Real Predator yeah. not, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Not the Predator! No, the predator. actual Predator, the yes. real one. Yeah. Where uh, one would pop in the, the 4K and see what it looked like, and lo and behold, we watched the whole goddamn film. <laughs> yeah. Same thing happened with Wizard of Oz. You don't, one just does not simply pop in a movie to see how the picture looks. Right. And just not watch the whole film. Yeah. And that's what happened. So we ended up watching the whole movie, and it looked beautiful. Yeah, it was gorgeous looking. It, it, was, it was insane. It, it was it was it was wonderful to to rewatch that and in black and white and in color it was burning our retinas out, <laughs> and uh, we ended up just kind of taking off from there. Yeah. And um, whether it was Blu-ray or 4K, we just kind of went with it. Yeah. It was like let's keep it old school. Let's watch some other movies. There were some movies I wanted to show you that you yeah. haven't seen. There were some movies you wanted to show me uh, that I have not seen, and then we wanted to watch some movies together. Yeah. For the first time. And it just kind of happened to where these all these films were old. Yeah. So obviously The Wizard of Oz, 1939. Woo! Directed by Victor Fleming, uh, a classic MGM film from back in the day, obviously. And um, I've been wanting to show you a couple of films, and they just happened to fall into the 40s category. Yeah. And there was a couple of films, one of which you wanted to show me was from the 50s, mm-hmm. and then one from the 60s. And we'll get to those. And, yeah, yeah it literally just happened to yeah. be that way. So we ended up watching one movie that you and I had both seen. Right, right. Two movies that you had seen and I hadn't. Two yes. movies that I had seen and you hadn't. And then one movie that neither of us had seen. Right. So it was kind of just funny, and they were old, and it was just like, screw it. Yeah. And that's what ended up happening that particular Saturday. <laughs> Wizard of well Oz. Well into the night. Yeah, yeah. Well, Wizard of Oz for me is, is pretty, much, pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. It's nostalgia. Yeah. I watched it a billion times when I was young as well. Yeah. Um, you know, the funny thing, though, is... <laughs> um, I never forgot uh, something that Johnny Depp said a while back. Uh, that he was asked the question... This is not verbatim. I may be saying it wrong, but I remember something similar to where he was asked a question like, "What was the scariest thing you've ever seen in films?" You know, the scariest thing, icon, monster, or whatever, right? Yeah. And he said, for him, it was the the flying monkeys. Yeah. That were controlled by the evil witch. Right. Right. I'm sorry, the wicked witch. Right. Right. right? And um, he said that freaked him out. <laughs> that was the scariest thing ever. And so re- I remembered that. And I don't remember the last time we actually watched a movie. So when we rewatched it in 4K, I wanted to see that scene again. Yeah. 
And if you th- if you watch it now, it's 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 still a cool scene. It's still fun to watch. They're, you know, the, the you know, Dorothy and the crew are getting chased down. But I wanted to watch it again in the Johnny Depp as a young Johnny Depp yeah. <laughs> eyes. Yeah, yeah. And if you think about it, that scene's kind of disturbing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, 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 the way it looks, the way it's yeah, filmed, and yeah. yeah, I mean, things had a, a weird, surreal look back in the day. Like you look at the cartoons from the '30s. Yeah, yeah. Like I always remember cartoons from the '30s looking creepy as hell. Yes. And this kind of, you know, if you're a little kid, yeah. I don't remember the monkeys particularly creeping me out when I was a kid, but I me, could me see... Me neither. Yeah. I was just like, oh no, our our, our, our buds are, are in danger. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. But if you, but I looked at it again, and <laughs> if you think about it, if you're a super, super teeny tiny youngling... Yeah. Not knowing that's going to happen. Right. Just the image of them flying in. Pretty decent, pretty good wire work. Yeah. The Shaw Brothers studio would be proud. Right, right. Um, but yeah, they the way they flew in and then they all scattered. Because they were together. We're going to fight together. Yeah. We're a team. Yeah. And then they all just scattered and get yeah. chased down relentlessly. And then the image of the... The scarecrow. Yeah. It just getting absolutely demolished yeah. with them like ripping his stuffing out. and Stomping on him. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, 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 I kind of yeah, get it a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it is all kind of fun because yeah. the scarecrow obviously he doesn't die. He's literally, he's but, literally after the aftermath. He's talking and he's alive yeah, and well. But just the imagery. But yeah, that would be kind of like whoa. Yeah. But I gotta say, as many times I've seen this movie at least a hundred times in my lifetime. As have I. I I've gotta say, watching it again this last time with you. Yeah. I always I always crack up when I see the movie, but. And again, I've seen every nook and cranny of this movie, and I always remember when, even when I was little, I remember seeing the painted backgrounds of the sets. Right. I even noticed that when I was a kid, but seeing it in 4K, it's super enhanced now, but to me, it just adds to the charm of it. Like, I love it. I love it. You can really see the the, the walls and the painted sets. To me, it looks like craftsmanship. Yeah. It looks like, but it also looks like a dreamlike craftsmanship Mm -hmm. because. In this movie, it, it, it is a little more geared towards this was all a dream. Even though I've never read the books, but if you go look at Return to Oz, it's not a dream. Right. It's her, it, she's actually in Oz and right. this and that and the other thing. But anyway. And that's your favorite. Is that your favorite re- rendition of the, the, the story? Well, what, Return to Oz? Yeah. I love Return to Oz. Or in that universe. I love Return to Oz. I, I think Return to Oz is just like a, a fantastically, horribly underrated film where yeah. enough people just, I don't I don't know if enough people know about it, and yeah. I, I don't think it did well enough. I'd never seen it until you showed it to me. I, I, and I was just like, dude, this is actually a really fun movie. I love, I, it's a yeah. great dark fantasy kind of creepy. Yeah, it, that it's movie dark has, fantasy. That yeah. movie has one of my favorite yeah. movie moments of all time. Yes. Um, we're getting off topic. Yeah, yeah, but um, back to uh, Wizard of Oz. So there was there were moments in this movie. There were two moments in particular that were absolutely cracking me up. Like the more I, the the older I got, I I remember the Cowardly Lion was cracking me up more when I was getting the older I got. Like his his musical number, the way he <laughs> talked, was cracking me up. The older I got, yeah. but this last yeah. time we watched it, yeah, the Tin Man. Yeah. was cracking me up. Yeah. There was one scene where they first met the wizard. Yeah. And I noticed him. I was watching him more than anybody this time around. Because I right. was always watching the Cowardly Lion. Because right. Dorothy was always front and center. But, but back in the day, I would always watch the Cowardly Lion. Because he was always like the one that was really scared. And he was the one that ran out of the castle and jumped out the window. Oh, man. Hell's a poppin' style, right? That was right? hilarious. But this time I noticed... 
the the ten man for some reason was really catching my attention, yeah. and I noticed yeah. he had wires hooked up to his. I didn't see. His I didn't even. I didn't notice that either. And I noticed the whole time. They had his outfit shaking like madness right. because he was so scared. And I thought, wow, what a cute touch that he was like so petrified yeah. of the wizard that he was literally like violently shaking yeah. of how scared he was. And I thought that I've never noticed like I never noticed that. Before. And thanks to 4K, you could see the wires. Yeah, which, I mean, it's forgivable. <laughs> but it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. It's forgivable. Yeah, it's fine. I, it's fine. I, that, I didn't have a problem with that. I just thought it was funny. Oh, you can see the wire. But yeah. I was like, wow, you could really notice how I, I just never, I never noticed that yeah. before. But this, this viewing, for some reason, as many times as I had seen the movie, my brain had noticed this one particular scene before, but my logic sensors kicked in. All of a sudden, okay. after as many years as I've been alive and watching this movie, mm-hmm. my logic finally went, wait a minute. The scene where they've left the wizard's castle yes. and they're in the forest yes. going after the witch. Yeah. He does the wizard the wizard denies the wizard, them their, their well, well the wizard's like, Look, I'll help you, but you gotta go kill the witch. You gotta kill the witch. Bring and then me her broom. I'll help you. You bring, bring me her broom. Bring me her broomstick and then yeah. we'll talk. And then so they go off. So you got, which, if you, which, which, if you think about it, he kind of sent them to their death. Yeah, because what are they gonna do? It's it's a wicked witch with magical powers and all that. So you got Dorothy with Toto, which is like, what's she gonna do? Yeah. So you got you got you got the you got the tin you got the Tin Man who's who's always got his axe. He's got had the, his axe the, the whole axe. time. So okay, cool. He's had his axe the whole film. No yeah. problem there. You see, all of a sudden, the lion, the cowardly lion, has got a giant butterfly net. Right. And a a giant spray, like you would use a regular size spray of like mosquito repellent. Yes. But this is a giant spray. Gigantic. Of witch repellent or yeah. witch spray. It said witch remover. Witch remover spray. <laughs> Which again, keep in mind, my brain has visually acknowledged all this before but never put it together that was the same way though yeah until you point i didn't notice it either until you pointed it out cut to zoom in of the scarecrow with a revolver in it a pistol in his hand he was packing a silver front and center of the frame pistol in his hand and my (laughs) brain immediately goes wait a minute Wait a minute! <laughs> I don't remember that either. I remember him having the pistol. You, you do? I don't. I remember I don't. all of this, but I my don't. brain immediately goes, "Wait a minute! Where did these items come from? <laughs> and why do we never see these items again in yeah. two seconds?" Yeah. So before the monkeys even attack, they have already lost these <laughs> items, with the exception of the Tin Man, because he he you he yeah. has his axe. It's the part whole time, of his outfit. So it's not a big deal. Yeah, yeah. But they've already ditched the pistol, ditched the the witch remover, and ditched the the, the net. fucking net. Yeah. In a matter of like two frames yeah. of movie. I'm gonna have to try to find a shot, the close up shot of when Scarecrow is holding the pistol, and that's gonna be my new avatar now. But <laughs> oh my god! I mean, of all the things, I don't remember. I didn't remember until you pointed it out. But again, it was yeah. one of those moments where it's my hilarious. my eyes always knew they were there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But never put it together. I like, didn't. wait a minute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why do we never see them with these things again? Could you, could you imagine the Scarecrow shooting the witch right? she died? I mean... That would have been the most hilarious thing ever. And what is, <laughs> what is the Land of Oz doing with a pistol? <laughs> I know, For right? For real. Like, 
Why do we have a pistol yeah. in Oz? Witch remover. Yes, and and why does just, nobody else have this witch this, remover spray? Uh, just a perfect example of how they were trying. They're telling this classic story based off a novel, and there were previous film you know renditions that came up before. There was a silent movie, right, I believe, silent but movie. it was lost. Right, I believe. There's some. Well, I saw a few clips on YouTube. I don't mm. know if there were just some. A few reels were were discovered, mm. but. It looked kind of disturbing. <laughs> was I want to watch it again? Oh, just imagery it, wise, it looked a little weird. Oh, maybe it was. Maybe they did. Maybe that one wasn't lost. I want to see it. Was a lost one, and then there. I just out of curiosity. Okay. I just want to see it because uh, if it looks, you know, fucking dark and cool and creepy, you know, we're there. I right? think it was just a short. Was it? Maybe, maybe I don't. I don't know. I don't but remember they, I remember someone posted a video of okay. clips. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> everything but, was disturbing back then, though. I know it was fun, but then. <laughs> But that scene alone right there shows you that even though he's telling this classic story based off this novel, very popular novel, you know, there's a huge fantasy element, obviously, uh, with the movie. You have the beautiful costumes, the beautiful sets, the the makeup effects. The practical. You have everything. But with that one scene right there, amongst many others. Yeah. The Calvary Lion running in fear and jumping out of the goddamn window. Yes. Which is hilarious. Yes. You could tell, and the musical numbers as well, you could tell they were having fun. They were being bonkers. They were not... Yeah. They were... I mean... The cowardly line, the way he spoke, was very... Put him up. Put him up. Like that whole... Put him up. Yeah, the way he spoke was very... Oh, a copper, eh? Like that. It was very of the time, the way they would speak uh, exaggeratedly in a gangster type. See? Yeah, like that. It was very exaggerated, modern, 30s. But you could tell, though, I mean, the scarecrow was packing. Yeah. He had a gun. Yeah. He's going about to pull Charles Bronson, Death Wish on the Witch. But (laughs) just that scene alone, just kind of, it's just a good reminder for everyone that this, they're having fun, they're being goofy, bonkers. You have that one scene. Uh, where the cowardly lion is singing about him being the king yeah. of the forest, yes. <laughs> right? That ridiculous, right. <laughs> yeah, the ridiculous. Right, that he would say and the whole him. courage line, like the whole courage. What do they got that I ain't yeah. got? What do they got that I ain't got? Courage. But he's all like, <laughs> what was it? Well, some of the lines, I'm already forgetting the lines, but I was oh, saying them the other day. What puts the ape in apricot? What puts the ape in apricot? What, Courage. What, what makes the muskrat guard his musk? Courage. Yes. Right? Nonsense. So, obvious nonsense, obvious bonkers, obvious for having fun comedy? Yeah. What the fuck were the critics thinking when you, when you told me this? I did not know this. Yeah. The critics, listeners... Did not like this movie. They panned the movie. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, what exactly were they expecting with this fantasy storyline? Did they? I don't understand. I... Did they want a dark, gritty reboot? Well, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't, I don't get it though. I mean, who knows? Maybe it was of the time at the time. That blew me away when you told me that because I was assuming this this movie was a huge hit. Well, I think, I think, I think um, with the with the audiences. The audience loved it. I think the audience is a Obviously. Fine. It was fine. But right. like critically, it was just one of those things it's where... It's just strange. I mean... Because it's not like... Mu- mu- everything was a fucking musical back then. What was out at the time, though, that was like the film? You I know don't know. How I sometimes, don't know. You know how sometimes things come out and critically people don't get it? And then yeah. 20 years later... Like, look at what happened with John Carpenter's The Thing. 
Nobody got that movie when it first came out. And then That's 20, true. 30 years later, yeah. everybody reevaluates the shit out of it. And it's like, oh, shit, we were wrong. That's true. You know, sometimes things come out ahead of their time, yeah. even though... The critics didn't like Empire Strikes Back. The critics didn't like Scarface. Right. You know, sometimes... Now everybody loves those movies. Well, sometimes things just come out and people don't get it. Right. But luckily, audiences... You yeah, know. when you told me that, I was just kind of... I couldn't... Fa- I just couldn't... Th- I could not stop thinking about... What the hell were they? Right. Did they were they expecting? Right, right. So, but anyway, back to the movie. But yeah, so that was that was just really fun. I mean, as many times again, uh, as many times as I've seen it, I, I'm 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 up there in age, kids. Okay, I'm 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 getting up there, and I've been seeing it for as many years as I've seen it now, a couple decades now, and uh, just to have that experience of of seeing things again and still laughing at it like oh yes. my god I can't believe I've never <clears throat> thought about that before yes and that was just as recent as two yeah. weeks ago <laughs> yeah. you know having seen that as, and yeah. you know having having seen it for as many times as I've seen it that yeah. was really funny but there's so many over the top out there moments like when the tornado comes and picks up the house and all of a sudden Dorothy's just looking outside the window and you see the <laughs> the wicked witch you know first of all well, it was a uh, Myra Gulch yeah, on the, on the bicycle, and then turning into the Wicked Witch. We were laughing, and then the two guys in the rowboat, and then one guy takes his hat off. Yeah, there was a his... there was a cow flying yeah, around. Yeah, I mean, just we were goofy cracking shit. up. So. Yeah, just goofy. I, I don't understand what the critics were talking uh, about. You know, but... Again, but uh, anyway, so, anyway, so that was a really fun time. And again, that the 4K, was fun rewatching. The 4K looked fantastic. So mm-hmm. if uh, you know, if you're a collector, um, and if you're into 4K collections, if you don't have it already. Still book. Yeah, it, it's 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 worth the it's worth the it's worth the cash. Yes. Um, so, and it does come with the Blu-ray too, if you need it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess we just ran. I just I just randomly was like, well, hey, we watched the old movie. So do you mind if I finally show you this? And I was yeah, a little nervous. I wasn't expecting you to pop in the whiz. Uh, <laughs> oh! So I was a little nervous. I'm not going to talk about that film. I was a little nervous because. <laughs> I I never ever the last thing I ever want to do okay. is bore you or drag you into movies that you know I'm going to hate. Yes. Or not be like, interested in. Because because I like certain movies, I am not going to be the one to bore you with things that I really like, but I don't know. Like I was really nervous when I showed you the 1976 King Kong. Okay. Because I really liked it, yeah. but I knew it was long, and there were gaps. It was kind of like Peter Jackson's King Kong, even though Peter Jackson's King Kong had a bit more going for it. Right, right, right. But visually. I, it was, yeah, visually. <clears throat> but it was still very long, and there were gaps where a lot of stuff wasn't happening. But that was 76 King Kong 2, where it was very long, and some of the stuff was a little clunky, but I thought there might have been enough in there, and it was interesting enough that you might have been okay with it. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast, overall is not something I tend to really show you a lot of. Like, right. I know you like the Disney movie. Yeah, the, Disney the, movie the, the, animated the animated movie. version. Yeah, The animated movie. Saw it in theater. Yes. Um, and the only reason you have <clears throat> ever seen... We saw the live-action Disney movie in theater also. That atrocious pile of dog shit. <laughs> I will never apologize. Fuck off. And um, now I've talked about this before. I personally, that's the only fairy tale that I really have that's kind of stuck with me is yeah. from childhood like i still love a lot of different ver- versions of yeah, that when story you were, when you were really young you used to watch the ron perlman t- linda hamilton yeah TV show. and the only reason 
you know about that is because I own the series and yeah. I've never sat you down and made you watch the show, but you have walked in yeah. and seen episodes while I was, I was fine with it. While I was cross stitching, yeah. and my point is that I've never forced you to watch gotcha. anything <clears throat> of Beauty and the Beast. Like I forced you to watch Double Team, <laughs> yeah, with Van Damme and Dennis exactly. Rodman, exactly. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. It's like I have a lot of versions of Beauty and the Beast. Uh-huh. Some of them I'd be I'd be interested to show you, but only because there's an element in it that I think might interest you. Like I have a TV movie right. that's a little clunky, but George C. Scott <coughs> plays the Beast. Now we have yeah, recently George C. Scott. We have recently become bigger and bigger fans of this actor. Yes. Like the more we see of George C. Scott, like I think I was first introduced to him in Doctor Strangelove. And that was when I first saw him, and I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> and then the more I've seen of him, the just the more of a fan I become of this actor. And he's going to come up later in this discussion. Um, but he's in this version. And I find this version, this particular version... The TV is, movie. The TV movie version interesting because... <clears throat> certain elements of it are proto-1991 Disney's Beauty and the Beast in terms right. of how they depict certain things. Right. But I don't know if I really want to sit you down and watch it because it's clunky and it's little, you know. Yeah. I have another version of Beauty and the Beast called I Am Dragon, which was a foreign movie that's... Yeah, you told me about that. Beauty and the Beast with a dragon instead of the beast. And, and I, you preferred that over the Vincent Cassell. I did, very much beast. so, yeah. which was just a basically a very inferior version of what we're about to discuss, which yeah. I was a little hesitant, but I thought the artistic <clears throat> quality of yes. this film might interest <clears throat> you. Yes. Which is the 1946 John Cocteau version of Beauty and the Beast. Now, right. why I decided you might be able to be okay with this was it's not terribly long. It's a little... Not terribly too romantic and sappy. Right. But I thought visually, I thought you might get something out of this and you were correct i'm so happy you did not hate this film. <laughs> <laughs> no i enjoyed it we took we, we took a trip to france yeah you bought me this blind bought me this a long time ago the, the criterion. criterion version yes i had always been interested in watching this movie mm-hmm. and i watched this on my own a couple years ago when you bought me the blu-ray so maybe you can answer this question so this came out when when in 19, france this was 1946 1946 france uh-huh uh and we and, and we we did watch this in the french language subtitled oh yeah, oh, yeah. Is there was there an English dub on there? It's Criterion. I don't Maybe. think so. Oh, okay. I don't think there was an English. So my question that. is, after this movie came out, was there an American release of this story? There is. There are a couple of well, the the short version is not directly of this. There is something called back in the eighties. There was something called Shelley Duvall's. Um, it took that long for an American version? Well, here's the thing. There was there was a movie in the 60s mm-hmm. called Beauty and the Beast, but it was not directly lifted from here. There was, I want to say, a silent Beauty and the Beast, but that movie was lost for sure. That okay. one was lost. Um, but it was a... It was a it was a different kind of take on it, but it didn't, it wasn't anything like the cocktail inspired version. Right, right, it was right. kind of like a different version of Beauty and the Beast. Because you think Hollywood would have milked the shit out of it. Yeah. Big but, production value. Yeah, but it wasn't, my. I haven't seen it yet. Huh. I, I've been wanting to watch it, but I can't find a version of it <clears> that, <throat> I, I don't want to pay for it because it sounds kind of hokey, the way I've, the way I, what I've read into it. Okay. Um, like if I found it on Amazon Prime, I would definitely watch it or Netflix or anything. I would definitely like stream it first and then consider buying it. 
Um, but it sounds kind of low budget, not mm. not terribly low budget, but it just sounds like something that I'd rather watch first before I. So so it. nothing of quality then from Hollywood or after this film. Nothing like nothing from what I've seen because, out. like I said, I I've seen I've seen the George C. Scott TV movie, right? Which was not super Hollywood. It was like I said, it was like a TV movie. Um, there was another foreign Beauty and the Beast, which is a very interesting version, I think called Panna Net 4 or something like that, hmm. which I would buy if I could find a good Blu-ray version of. But then there was the, the Shelley Duvall fairy tale theater version, which was a TV show, yeah. which was almost a direct retelling of <clears throat> this. Was Shelley Duvall the no, Beauty? No, she was not. Susan Sarandon <laughs> was. That's me. I'm, I was getting scared there. Shelley Duvall was the Beauty. Shh. No, she was not. I, okay, I she just want not. to make sure. No, she was not. Okay, but you know and who, to each his own. No, you, you know if who, she was made the beauty, that's what's that's what's okay. What's that one actor's name? Um, you said it was Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon. Oh yeah, she played Belle. Yeah, um, but it was like a shortened. Susan Sarandon is hot in the Witches of Eastwick. <laughs> Tell me, I'm, I'm sorry. Tell me I'm wrong. Share. Um, I don't give a fuck about Share. And obviously Michelle Pfeiffer. She's she's beautiful, obviously. Yeah. When I watched Witches of Eastwick, Susan Sarandon was so hot in that movie. I was like, why am I not paying attention to Pfeiffer? And I'm checking out Susan Sarandon. So, so but you know, sorry, so, went off topic. So that was basically like almost a direct remake of this version. Uh. And then in 1986, the Canon Group they were doing called Movie Tales. Oh. They were doing something called Movie Tales. Canon. Yes. Okay. And they did. Not a direct remake of this, but they did a very close version of Beauty and the Beast. Canon did something... Really? They did. I love Canon, by the way. We love Canon. They were doing a lot of... I'm surprised. They were doing a lot of fairy tale movies. Like, they did Puss in Boots with Christopher Walken. Oh, boy. Yeah. They (laughs) were doing, like, Sleeping Beauty. They were doing, like, all kinds of movies. They did The Frog Prince. Yeah. Um, But they also did Beauty and the Beast with um, uh, John Savage and Rebecca De Mornay. How was that one? I own it. Okay. I I had cheesy, this, cheesy but fun. I I have a very big nostalgic <clears throat> spot for it. Yeah. Like I kind of low key love it because yeah. of my nostalgia for it. Yeah, it's you not grew great. up with it. Yeah. It's not great, but I do like it. Right. But it's a musical. It's a cheesy musical, a little bit. Right. So um, now back to the. So how do you say his name? Uh, uh, Jean Cocteau. Jean Cocteau. Jean Cocteau. Mm. So one of the first things that I remember really liking about it was once you got to the castle. Yeah. The visual style becomes very dreamlike. Even the score kind of backs that up. Yeah. With the visuals that you get. Now, fans of this fairy tale, is it pretty much in unison everyone's favorite is I, this one? I, I, I really would. If they, don't, if they don't like the Disney, I mean, they get, but it's okay to like both. I mean, obviously you like several different versions, right? Yeah. But... Like hardcore Honestly, fans, I, I would not. I would not know. I, I am not a part of Beauty and the Beast fan forums. Because I, 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 I grew up with the Disney one. Yeah, I saw it in theater. It was a lot of fun. I'm mm-hmm. a little nostalgic for that too. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't go out and buy it for myself, uh-huh. but I, I did enjoy it. Uh, it's all about Gaston, man. <laughs> but I'm gonna. Ha- I haven't seen those others that you just mentioned, the George C. Scott one and stuff. Yeah, but I, I can't argue with with you or if, if you say this is the best one the Jean Cocteau one because I wasn't like because it's old school yeah right? I knew what I was getting myself into yeah black and white by the way obviously yeah. this is all you know so I knew what to expect but there were some legitimately funny moments in the movie that made me laugh yeah but 
Visually, though, I remember, I will remember this for a long time. Right. Because I'm like, the visuals, the special effects, and mm-hmm. what they, you know, what they had to work with back then to create these illusions and very dreamlike castle and these human arms holding candlesticks. Yeah. You got... You got some nightmare fuel here for you guys. You have the, you have faces that are like a part of the fireplace. I think that was my favorite part. So and then I was just yeah. like, dude, I can't stop looking at them. They're yeah. going to turn and look at me. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. just kind of freaking me out, but in a, in a good way. Yeah. And I was just like, but the, the visuals though. Yeah. How they did things for, for that time. Yeah, yeah. That was impressive. Right. And it did feel very dreamlike. And I, I have to applaud. Yeah. You know? I have to applaud. I'm, that's it's pretty pretty good. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Even though, like you said, it's not really my thing. Yeah. <laughs> I still enjoyed it, though. Yeah. And yet, you have a multi-billion dollar or million dollar million live dollar action li- yeah. version that, you know. Is soulless. With a, soulless. Heartless. Heartless. Ugly. Ugly. Um Without any character whatsoever. CGI, not really impressive in no. terms of the beast effects. Like I said, soulless yeah. and heartless. Yeah. Uh, and you, you have this movie that came out when? 46. 46. Kind of trumps it. Yeah. It's pretty It's pretty impressive. And I will say that where I was not a fan of the Vincent Cassell, which is a shame because I do like Vincent Cassell. Yeah. Um, I, I, I figured he'd make a good beast. He least. did. And... I will say that why I was not a fan of that movie because it was essentially a remake of the Cocteau. They just tweaked some things and they added some things okay. a, a bit here and there. It mm. wasn't a direct shot for shot remake, but it was more of a Followed remake. the same storyline? Very closely. Um, like I said, they just added some things and, and, and just tweaked some things here and there. Yeah. Um, where I like deviations of the story like that's why i loved i am dragon so much was because you take the premise and you do something different with it yeah that's what i like you just take things and you just take the concept and just do something else with it um and uh what i what i did like better about the casile version than the 2018 live action disney remake was at least as the beast he emoted oh really because he he actually looked he actually looked like he was emoting and looked... So you can actually see emotion in his face? I felt like you could. So what, what was it practical and CGI mix? I think it was more CGI, but I think there was hints of practical. Okay. But it was at least more convincing than wow. the 2018 version. Wow. In my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my opinion, it huh. was better done. All right. Which is like fucked up. <laughs> I, I, th- I mean, because think about it. It's a French remake. Yeah. A uh, twenty what twenty sixteen? I'm sure in budget French com- remake. I'm sure in budget comparison. So yeah, Disney is like so it's huge, not going to be it's not going to be nearly as much as expensive as what Disney version as what the Disney movie was. Right. And I heard that Disney was going to try to go mostly practical with the Beast at first, and they chickened out. Boo. And they went CG and look at it. It's Ugh. it's. Without any character whatsoever. Yep. And I hate it. The waste of Dan Stevens. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's a shame because Dan Stevens is one of the most emotive actors out there <laughs> yeah, you're going to get. so intense. Go fucking watch Legion and see what I'm talking about. Yeah. And or you, The Guest. That too. Yeah. Uh, yes. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad you didn't hear yeah. it. I'm really Do glad. you recommend? Um, If you can handle foreign black and white old movies, 
Absolutely. But it's got subtitles. Yeah, I know. I can't read when I'm also trying to see things. I, you know, I'm going to go on a little <laughs> brief tangent here. Um, we did put Parasite on our top ten list. Yeah, top ten movies of 2019. And obviously we talked about this, and we don't give a shit about the Oscars, but... I, I hope that this kind of opens some people's eyes. About, it's about damn time. About what is possible when it you comes to think, foreign cinema. You got to think outside the box. You know, and here here in America, we make really good films here, but it's it's but this it's it's everywhere. Yeah, there's more... and people need to know there's, there's other great movies outside of America. Yeah, and sometimes I wonder if if sometimes as Americans we shut out other foreign cinema not just because. There's not recognizable faces in it, but right. because we allow bad dubbing to become just part of the norm. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe yeah. if we didn't have such shitty dubbing, we yeah. would be more open to non-sub... Like, I don't know. The reason we choose subtitles is because our dubbing is always so shitty. Yeah, it's true. I don't... I can't tell you for certain that if we had good dubbing here... Yeah. I would watch the dubbing version. I can't tell you that I would because right. I become so accustomed to subtitles. Yeah. Well, it's authentic when you hear the real language. Yeah. You see, you hear the emotion. Yeah. It just flows more naturally to me. And we're so used to it that that's just how we are fine with watching movies yeah. now. Yeah. But I can understand why some people would be so turned off by it. But the the truth of the matter is for us, we, we have seen... And it's different with animation because the animation, you know, if you can get a good actor in there... The animation isn't really going to capture the facial contortions that it takes to emote facially. Right, right. But you can capture it vocally. Yeah. But when it comes to facial expressions on a live action person, yes. you're going to see it and you're going to hear it. And that's right. like a two-fold reaction. Yeah. But you're going to lose everything if the vocals aren't there. Right. And that's the problem with American dubbing. It right. just is not there. No. So until we can get on the level of apparently some, a lot of countries, they have professional dubbers. Like I've heard in other countries, they have people... Germany. Like Germany and Japan too, they mm -hmm. do it all the time. They have one actor that will dub only Brad Pitt, and he he will he will dub Brad Pitt for twenty years. Yeah. And when he retires, then you know, that's it. That it's was like his they job. Take it for more seriously. Years. Yeah. Yeah, and and people are fine with it, mm -hmm. and that's just how it is. But here, yeah. that's just not how it happens. Right. You know, and we're just not exposed to enough foreign cinema to allow that to be a thing here. Right. And but I just hope that. Parasite maybe opens up some eyes that hey, good cinema is out there, yeah. and maybe it'll open up the doors for something like 1946 black and white yeah. movie like Beauty and the Beast, yeah. where you know just hey, give it a shot. Some of the greatest horror movies ever made, some of the greatest action movies ever made, some mysteries, thrillers, dramas. I they, just they watched, all exist. You just showed me a movie yesterday, Miracles, the, which is the the yeah. the international title of the film, yeah. a Jackie Chan movie that's criminally. I have never heard of this film before. Yeah. And I saw a two-second clip with the English dub, and it was atrocious. Yeah, it ruined it ruined that whole scene. And <laughs> I I watched the entire film subtitled, obviously, and I loved the film. Yeah, and I can't imagine watching it dubbed. Like it was just it was awful. And it was, it was an, and it was a, it was a dramatic scene. Yeah. And it was just like I'd rather have I I want I want to hear Jackie Chan speak Cantonese and read the subtitles over. What the hell are we gonna do? See? Yeah, yeah. Are we gonna go over there? What do you mean? What do you... It, just, it takes you out of the scene. Yeah, and and in a movie like Beauty and the Beast, with the way the 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 the, the acting is already because it's, first of all, first of all, it's the forties, and you know 
say what you want, a lot of movies in the 30s and the 40s, the acting style back in the day, especially in the 30s, but even a little bit in the 40s, the acting style was already very overly dramatic anyway, because yeah. that's the way they acted back then. And they've, but and this that, is, and they've come from silent films. Yeah. Which they had to act big. They had to overact because yes. you had no you had no benefit of vocalization. But in this case, this is also a fantasy movie, so you have that benefit of well, you're allowed to be a little over the top anyway, mm-hmm. over dramatic. You had um, uh, Avenon, which was kind of like the Gaston equivalent, right? Um, having his dramatic <laughs> turn his face to the camera and do his <laughs> monologuing and all that. Um, who was actually also the the actor who played the Beast as well. Um, you had all of that, um, that kind of acting style, but just imagine that kind of overacting with an atrocious uh, English dub. Yeah. Like, that would completely destroy the film. So you already have that delicate balance of slightly overacting, but you can forgive it because that's the style back then, but mm-hmm. it's also a fantasy, so you can kind of forgive it, but then just like an atrocious dub. It right. would just like, completely ruin that already precarious balance. Yeah. In my opinion, but that's, you know. Yeah, so if you can handle old school with subtitles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you like fantasy films, we recommend the Jean Cocteau. <laughs> you have to say it like that, you know. Jean Cocteau. Yeah. All right, what's next? So, it was your turn. Yes. To show me something. Uh, so that was The Hustler. Yes, one of my favorite movies, The Hustler. 1961, directed by Robert Russin. And, uh, you know, starring uh, Jackie Gleason and Paul Newman and your girl. from Piper Laurie. From Carrie. Carrie's mom. Piper Laurie. The first thing I ever saw her in was, let's see, did I see Carrie first or did I see Return to Oz first? <laughs> That's an <laughs> odd question to have to ask. I don't remember. I think I might have seen Carrie first, to be honest. I saw horror movies when I was younger, so I might have seen Lucky. Carrie first. Um, so my first introduction to Piper Laurie might have been when she was Carrie White's psychotic mother. Um, I think it yeah, might have been, but anyway, they're um, all gonna laugh at you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I had never seen this film before, and uh, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you liked it. This was this definitely. I, I you know what my you know what I thought you were gonna do? What after the movie was over? What? Because you didn't really react that much, so I was just like, oh, oh hmm, I wonder how she's taking it, right? Yeah. And then after the movie was over, I thought you were gonna go, eh. That's not what you were gonna do. I was like, eh, it was well made. This eh, this was, was um, it, you know. This is one of those movies that I've heard about forever. Yeah. Okay. Because really? always, well, yeah, the Hustler. Yeah. You hear about uh-huh. it all the time. You, uh-huh. you hear about classics. You see snap. You see like you know snapshots about it like all the time. Mm-hmm. This was one of those films where it, it fell into the category of good and the bad and the ugly and uh, Raging Bull. Yeah. Where it's like classics. Where. Oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get why it's in that category. Right. I totally get it. In the classic. And the funny thing is, is that if you've never seen it, I have to warn you. This is the biggest slice of nothing of a (laughs) film. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Slow burn? This is a movie where it's nothing but interpersonal stories. Yeah. This is not big stakes this no. is not some guy who's like putting it all on the line to get the the billions of of you know he's running for state he's running for the presidency he's gonna lose his family you know the world is gonna end no 
No, this is a guy who walks into a pool hall and wants to challenge Minnesota Fats. Minnesota Fats! And he plays for, like, what, 48 hours at first, some shit like that. And he almost wins. He almost wins. But he defeats himself. Yeah, and that's basically, that's the movie it's, and it's he's a hustler that ends up getting hustled it's and yeah. it's it's really it's it's one of those movies where you're just like you have to settle in you have to you have to very early on realize what this movie is because it's nothing but people yeah this is a people film yes it's just a people story it's 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 a it's a very personal like people just being people yeah like people just like who who hate who they are who are just stuck who are just trying to maybe be better than what they are, or just maybe just trying to survive. Yeah, it's really all of that, to, really. Yeah, you know, it's it's everything. That's what the movie's and, about. It's just everything, and and, and yeah. just getting somewhere, but maybe not. You can't really, you know, and nothing really happens, but everything. It's it really depends on your perspective, and right. it's it's a personal. Story. Well, stuff happens later. It's <laughs> it's really one of those. It's yeah. a personal story. Yeah, it is. It's it's people, something you have to settle in for. Peop, like you said, people just trying to survive, yeah. trying to better themselves, but then failing sometimes. And I mean, it's not all about him making money though and hustling these other pool guys. He 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 does want to be the best yeah. because he's he's good at. That's the only thing he's good at. Mm-hmm. So you do have that, but he, uh, you know, underestimated Minnesota Fats, played by Jackie Gleason from uh, the Honeymooner, Honeymooners, excuse me, yeah, TV show fame, who completely played against type. I I can't express. <laughs> he was really good how, in this movie. How I just I loved his I just I loved his demeanor. Yeah, like he didn't even say a lot. No, he didn't. But it was the presence. Yeah, it was all about the presence yeah. that he had. And Paul film. Newman even said that he was a little intimidated. I could see that. Yeah, he had that that type of like, oh shit, what's who's that? Yeah, you know. Yeah, but it was a great scene though. They they play he challenges Minnesota Fats. They play for so many hours. They're drinking throughout the night, slowly but surely. Minnesota Fats gets more disheveled as the night goes on. Yeah. Like he's you know he just gets more like just messed. You mean up. you mean? Well, no, Minnesota. Well, because he because he. Well, obviously, Paul Newman gets right. worse. Paul yeah, Newman, yeah. the worst, he gets drunk. <laughs> he's, like, fucking shit-faced by, yeah, the, by the end of it. he's winning. But yeah. I, I liked how Minnesota Fats looked like he was getting frazzled, too. Yeah. But as soon as he knew he had Paul Newman, yeah. he walks into the bathroom, mm-hmm. cleans up, like, yep. combs his hair, puts his jacket back on, yep. and you know he's won. Yeah. Like, he hasn't even taken the shot yeah. yet, and no. you know he's won. Because like, he knows he's won. Let's play pool. Yeah. And then Paul Newman was like, fuck. Yeah, yeah. You know, I like how you got a, his uh, our boy George C. Scott. This guy's a loser. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So let's talk about our boy a little bit. Oh. Perfectly casted for this part. You know. Sn- just you know, sniveling, sleazy, sn- sleazy, just sleazy character. Just sleazy. A guy's got a lot of money and who's bored. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, that's that's his character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so Minnesota Fats kind of works for him, or at least he gets a cut from him. And then in one part of the movie, yeah. he actually, when he knows Paul Newman is in, is down in his in, in his luck too, he goes to Paul Newman. He tries to, you know, use him mm-hmm. uh, to make money, and which which does not go well, uh, also. But just just so slimy, yeah, yeah, slimy in this movie. Just just great acting from Scott, man. Yeah, with his Johnny Bravo hair. <laughs> yeah. That he had for five seconds. He had this magnificent quaff the first scene you see him in. And then I was like, oh, sweetie. 
oh, we've got some magnificent, like, Jojo Bizarre's adventure hair going on here. And then the next scene you see him and he's got normal hair. I'm like, damn it! I know, I What know. happened? He changed it And it was just, it was like he had one pickup shot where he just yeah. had, like, this magnificent poof. And then the rest of the movie, it's all normal. I'm like, damn! But, um... So, this was, I did not know this, but you told me after you watched the film with me, that this was the first time you've experienced Paul Newman. I've never seen a Paul Newman film. Yeah. Okay. No Paul cool Newman, hand Luke. No, no. No. Uh, Paul Newman is just one of those actors that he's obviously at this point in, in time, he's just a legend. Yes. Okay. I've seen Robert Redford films. Yes. Okay. And no, not just the Marvel films. Okay. No, <laughs> not just that. I've seen, I haven't seen really his older stuff. Which I'm gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna get to we'll get show, there. I'll show you that we'll stuff. get there yeah. but I have seen him in things yeah but I have not seen to my knowledge like I cannot personally remember actually seeing Paul Newman yeah in a film mm-hmm. I just know who he is by cultural osmosis and obviously it's Paul Newman you right. just know who he is he's one of those actors you right. just know and uh, so yeah I yeah. get it. I, I get Great why actor. I yeah. get why he was such a, an iconic and and charismatic mm-hmm. and legendary actor, right. an iconic actor, and why he why he got as you know as big as he was. Mm-hmm. Now I got to show you the Sting. Yeah. Then I got to show you. Uh, I think I mentioned Cool Hand Luke already. Yeah, you did just now. Yeah. But um, the other movie he did with Robert Redford, the Western that I can't think right now. Butch, Butch Cass- Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah, yeah Sundance yeah, yeah, yeah. Kid. I got to show you that too. But right. yeah, he he's he's definitely one of the best though. Yeah. Uh, but can, I'm glad you. Totally I'm glad you it. enjoyed the film. But I I, I, again, I was kind of like, okay, she's quiet. She's well, probably she, she might be bored. No, it's, it's one of those movies where like, it's eh. very um, it's very thick. Yeah. It, I don't know if I'm. I, I don't know if this is gonna make sense when I when I kind of describe it. The movie is very. It's very thick with a. There's barely even any dialogue. Yeah, it's the a, beginning of the film. Yes. There's yes. barely any dialogue. It, it's until very, he's until he walks in. The it's a very just thick weighty film yeah. where because it's so heavily reliant on being character driven yes you feel the weight of all of the characters troubles yes and how down they are in 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 their in the holes of their lives mm-hmm. and because of that you just kind of have to sit there and feel it with them mm-hmm. and so this isn't a film that you're constantly laughing at right. you're not reacting to it right. you're not like Happy. Okay, I'll give you the example again. I'll go back to miracles. Okay, I'll go back to miracles. Yeah. Every time Jackie Chan was doing a fight scene, which wasn't often, but every time there was a fight scene, I couldn't stop smiling. Yeah. Okay. When there were jokes that landed, I was cracking up. You know, when stuff was happening in that film, I was reacting to it because it's a very fun. Uh, it was a very fun, cute movie. It was a yeah. very sweet film mm-hmm. to watch. This is not that kind of movie. No. This was a very kind of close to reality type of situation a film where you could see real people in this movie where it's like yeah i could i could see myself in this type of lifestyle right i could see this being very much a a realistic setting yeah and you just because it's so well uh, the dialogue is very realistic and just the situation is very realistic this was a time capsule movie yes very much like you so. want to go back in the late 60s, early 60s? Uh, uh, 1961. Right. 
This is a time capsule. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so it felt, it just felt weighty. It felt very heavy. And so, yeah, it wasn't going to be one of those movies where the credits roll and I pop up going, wow, that was great. (laughs) It wasn't going to be like that. It was kind of like, wow, yeah, yeah, I I totally get why this is one of the the classics. Um, Fun fact, just for myself. (laughs) No no, no one else is going to give a shit. Yeah. But uh, before I saw The Hustler, I saw an old classic Shaw Brothers film called The Five Fingers of Death, Uh which is one of the titles for that film, starring Lole, Uh one of my favorite uh, martial art villains from back in the day, famous for playing the character of Pai Mei. We just saw him in Miracles. Uh, He had a role in that. But his early work, before the Pai Mei stardom, he was a good guy. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he was a good guy. And he was the hero in Five Fingers of Death, which was also um, the first... Are you ready for this? Uh-huh. It's the first martial arts movie that was released here in theater. Oh, man. That movie was. Five Fingers of Death. What was year? the first one. 1972. Ooh. I know you're asking the question, why are you bringing this up? It's uh-huh. because I'm not positive about this, but I think this movie was inspired by The Hustler. Really? Because in this movie, two totally different characters, right? Uh-huh. In this movie, he does get both of his hands broken. Okay. He gets his hands fucked up. Uh-huh. And so he has a scene where it, they're all wrapped up like Paul Newman's. Uh-huh. Right? Because those gangsters were like, oh, you coming in here and try to, to hustle, hustle us? Yeah, yeah, We're about to fuck you up. And they fuck up his thumbs. Right. So he's like that. The imagery of him having... You know, his thumbs and stuff and casts and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And then he's frustrated, just like Paul Newman was. He has a female that's with him. Uh-huh. That, a love interest. Right. That's frustrated with him and trying to work with him and trying to help him out. And then eventually, he gets his hands back. Uh-huh. And it just really reminded me <laughs> of... Like, I went with the very first time I saw Hustler. I was like, man, this is Five Fingers of Death. Yeah. It's just very similar. Right. I know there's probably no connection... <laughs> I just th- like I said, it's a fun fact for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just reminded me of Five Fingers of Death. Yeah, <laughs> that would be hilarious though, because how many more years did set nineteen seventy two? Yeah, so maybe been... the director was influenced, or the people that I don't know. Maybe. I'm probably looking way more into it. Who knows? But it just reminded me of that. You but go ahead. Know. No, so so, so yeah, rec- I recommend that to people now. I mean, I really do. I mean, I I let uh, our boy Easy E Eggshin uh, Montalvo borrow the film. Uh, a couple of years ago, and he really enjoyed it too. So yeah, yeah, great film. What's next? Oh, what have we got? So it was my turn to share, and this is again, this is another movie. I was really, really nervous to show you because, first of all, it's very long. Oh, I know what this is. First of all, it's very long. Yeah. Second of all, where at least Beauty and the Beast was very visual. Yeah. And the visuals could keep you going. This movie had atmosphere, but nothing happens in this movie. Yeah, speaking like, of nothing happens. This was like, nothing happens. Like, I, I had to warn you. I've been warning you about this movie for years. It's like, <laughs> listen, I saw this movie when I was a teenager. But the only thing it had going for it was the director. Yeah. Okay. But this was a One movie. One of the greats. This was a movie where, listen. Were you more nervous to show me this than Beauty and the Beast? I was... Kind of, I think this one, okay, because it was longer than Beauty and the Beast. Okay. Where Beauty and the Beast was like pushing two hours, yeah. This movie was way over two hours. Like this movie was like two hours ten. Yeah. Where at least Beauty and the Beast again was visual and the pacing was a little bit quicker. 
this movie was just like all you have is atmosphere and then nothing going on. Right. But I was hoping that the atmosphere and some of the performances, especially one in particular, yes. would at least be enough to keep you going. Yes. Because um, I knew you were a fan of the director, mm-hmm. but the movie itself, it's just like, oh, I don't know how he's going to take it, but I've been warning you about this for you years. You think I was going to be asleep? I was, start snoring. I was thinking maybe because uh-huh. again this is one of those movies where even I can't explain to you why I like it so much right because I first saw this movie back in the day when I was like again when I was a teenager back when um, back in the day believe it or not kids American AMC used to be called American Movie Classics that was the long version of the channel and American Movie Classics actually used to show movies and when I mean by movies they actually used to show movie movies like older films like this is where i saw the king and i for the first time this is where i saw the ghost of mrs mirror and the king of siam uncut a lot of times i would see these movies in their original widescreen format and they would have these random you know marathons they would show movies where they were in their entirety commercial free unedited you know and they would have backgrounds on them histories documentaries and all that and this is where I saw the film that I was one on the fence about showing you. Uh-huh. But I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And this is, again, another Criterion release. And so I was like, fuck it, let's do it. Let's do let's it. Let's do it. So I finally showed you Alfred Hitchcock's 1940 Rebecca. 1940 Rebecca. 1940. Yes. Um, so now, this yeah. one's a little different because now this one... I have not really seen a lot of Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence Olivier. Yeah, yeah, I have really not seen a lot of his movies. Yeah. I remember him in Spartacus, uh-huh. which is another classic. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think I've seen him here and there, but I don't really remember yeah. him as an actor. Yeah. Except for Spartacus. Yeah, he's one of those where you know he's, because he was a huge stage and screen presence. Oh, yeah. Like I he, could tell. Sir Lawrence Olivier. Yeah. You know, like, massive back in but the I day. But I could see it, though. But it was, yeah. again, probably similar to Paul Newman, where, you know, you know who he is, you've just never oh, yeah. really... I knew he was a legend of the game. Yeah. But, yeah. You've just never really you know, right. seen him in anything yet. Except and for Spartacus. I... I was patient yeah, with the film. Yeah, I was so, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know, I know, I, I can't tell you. I know, I know. No, 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 I was patient with the movie, but I was, there's a difference between being patient and being bored. Mm-hmm. I was never bored. Yeah. I was just patient, <laughs> and uh, I was just kind of like, uh, the lead female was kind of cute. She was kind of fun to watch. Yeah. But Lawrence Olivier, man, that guy. Yeah. How many, how many chicks threw panties at him back in the day? <laughs> Right. <laughs> Fun fact: He was married to Scarlett O'Hara. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Uh, what was his name? Vivian, I can't think of Vivian her name. Lee. Sure. Yeah. I can't really remember her though. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I was seeing a little bit of a little bit of Timothy Dalton there. Yeah. In yeah. him, I could see it a little bit there. And he wasn't too pleased with the casting of Joan Fontaine um, because he wanted Vivian Lee in the part. Oh. So there was a little bit of. Nah, but uh, they didn't. They wanted somebody yeah. that was younger and was going to play the part a certain way. Right. Which well, was, she was perfectly casted. Yeah. She was so perfectly casted that I was getting annoyed. Yeah. I was like, dude, oh my god, <laughs> like, yeah, doormat. Yeah, but it was it fit the movie. Uh-huh. So I'll let you explain the plot so people know what we what we're talking about. Here. So okay, so 
basically, you've got this this girl. I mean, the movie's been out forever. We can do spoilers. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> you've got you've got this girl, and she's very young, and uh, she's a paid companion to this older rich lady, and who is driving me nuts. Yeah, and who yeah. thinks like the world of herself. Yeah, and she's she, <laughs> she uh, they're in what is it Monte Carlo. And uh, they, she meets this uh, older rich guy, and uh, there's like this not you really wouldn't think it was a whirlwind romance with the way it's so one sided. Like she's obviously crushing on him, yeah, yeah. But he's keeping her at a distance, and um, the the old lady finds out that her 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 daughter's gonna get married and so she's like well we gotta go back to 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 the states so i can you know prepare for my daughter's wedding and all that and so the and this is only like like a couple of days maybe two weeks i don't even know yeah and so the the girl who's probably like 20 or whatever goes up to to the rich dude's place and it's like hey i gotta go and he's like hey let's get married (laughs) <laughs> and you this whole time you always get this awkward he's totally keeping her at a distance yeah and you don't know why yeah and so she's clearly in love with this guy but yeah. you don't really know how he feels you can you can see that he kind of like has some kind of affection for yeah. her but you don't know right. why he's keeping her at so he's, much of he's a distance. at i know status He's at Han Solo status. But even then, Han Solo had at least more warmth. That's true. And and emotion. You know? Like, this guy is just like, he'll snap at the drop of a hat and you don't know why. Like, he just has these moments of anger and this and that. You find out later why. Yeah. yeah. But at first, you're just like, oh my God. And so, they they get quick married. She leaves the old lady. And they go back to Mandalay. Right. Which is the home of which, Max Maxim de Winter, who has this ridiculous, ridiculously long name, but yeah, they yeah. call him Maxim. Yeah, and which one that was one of my favorite scenes in the movie that I remember was when they, <laughs> he takes her to the mansion. Yeah, fucking Wayne Manor. Right, jet. right, right. I may, may actually may make Wayne Manor look like. A condo. They get to the house and he starts introducing her to the staff because they got this guy is like richer than God. And she gets introduced to the head of staff, who is Mrs. Danvers. Yes. Played by Dame Judith Anderson. And in my opinion... And I know what's coming, because... In in my opinion, the star of the film. I mean... The real star of the movie. Like... The treat. Like, for me, like, I've seen this movie several times in 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 the space of, I don't know, 20 years or whatever... And I like every time I watch this movie, I am always glued to Danny. Yeah. To Mrs. Danvers. Yes. And there's a reason for that. And so the movie starts to unfold and you start to realize how much uh, they you start to hear about the late Mrs. De Winter, whose name was Rebecca. And it was always the late Mrs. De Winter was just so she was so accomplished and learned and it was and so, Maxim adored her. It was so over the top and ridiculous from every single person telling stories of how great Rebecca was. Yes. That it was like driving. I was like, dude, I, I, I was expecting Danny, Danny, right? Yes. I was expecting to go up to Joan Fontaine and be like, some days I would feed her pinto beans and the smell of her farts were <laughs> heavenly. They smelled like roses. Yeah. Do your farts smell like roses? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it was so ridiculous. So eventually you, I mean, early on you find out obviously that Rebecca has died. And then eventually, you know, soon you find out that she died in a boating accident. And the story unfolds and you just get this, you, you get you get the layout of the house and the house is very grand and it's very beautiful. And the new Mrs. DeWinters. Joel Fontaine. Right. The new Mrs. DeWinters is trying to get her footing and she just never really seems to get her her place in things and she just feels so overwhelmed and this and that she can't even bring herself to tell the, the tell butler what to do yeah like she leaves everything in the hands of, of danny like yeah. she says i'm sure whatever you decide will be fine and danny's just not having it. danny looks at her with in every scene Disgust. with just like this yes her nose Loathing. is just like just she does what she says yeah of course but... of course she does and then slowly you start to find out that Danny was like Rebecca's personal maid and she would like she adored Rebecca and she would like wait up for her late at night when she would go out and this To the and point that. of creepiness. Yes. You find out she, she's obsessed. She, she, like, she was obsessed. She would like lay out her lingerie for her. She like loved her see through black lingerie. Like there like there's like all these discussions about the undertones of that that's going on with that and all yeah. that. Um, and a couple of times she made attempts to make Joan Fontaine look bad. Oh yes, yeah. There was there was like at one point at one point she the the, the kind of like the, the the highlight midpoint of the film is where Joan Fontaine's character eventually kind of gets the balls to say look because at one point she answers the phone and they ask for Mrs. De Winter's approval on something and. John Fontaine goes, oh, oh no, there must be a mistake. Mrs. DeWinters has been dead for several months now. And she goes, she hangs up and she goes, oh wait, no. <laughs> Not realizing that, oh wait, yeah, I'm Mrs. DeWinter. Yeah. And that's kind of like the, 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 the sign, oh shit, what am I doing here? And so later on in the movie, she kind of gets her balls back and she's like, look, I'm Mrs. DeWinter now. Get rid of all of Rebecca's stationery. I'm the head of the household. Yeah. And she tells Danny, get rid of all this stuff. I'm I'm boss now. And you think that that's that. You think that that's what's going to happen. And so and so uh Joan Fontaine decides she wants to 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 throw this giant masquerade ball like they used to do in the old days and she wants to plan everything herself with no help from Maxim or anything like that and Danny gives her the suggestion to to design her dress in the style of a family portrait that's in the hall that's Maxim's favorite and she designs it on her own and this and that and then she does the big reveal in the ball comes down the staircase all dramatic like before all the guests arrive and Maxim turns around and there's this look of just utter contempt on his face and this look of horror comes over Joan Fontaine's face of like oh god what have I done and she's like what what is it and he goes what the hell are you doing? Take that ridiculous thing off. Get out of here. Just change into anything before the guests arrive. And she runs up the stairs. She sees Danny. She runs after Danny, who's in Rebecca's room. And she goes, you deliberately, you knew that this was something Rebecca did. What, why would you do this? And she says, I saw you walk down the stairs. You couldn't hold a candle to her. So basically, she tricked Rebecca, she tricked Mrs. DeWinter into dressing up like Rebecca just to fuck with her and basically get back at her for trying to take Rebecca's place. Yeah. And she which fucks leads with us, her, which leads us to one of my favorite parts of the movie. Fucks with her to the point where where Joan Fontaine is broken down and crying. Yeah, yeah at this point, and yeah. is just crying on Rebecca's bed. And Danny knows she's broken her. She knows she has yeah. her. At first, I thought when she snu- when she snuck in. Uh huh. At first, I thought that she's trying to help her and 
and open up the window to get some air into the room. Right. Maybe to help comfort right. Joan Fontaine, right? But nay, nay. <laughs> she, she basically tries to talk her into jumping yeah. to her death. Yeah. And it was uh, brilliant. Listen, the slow yes, leap. Yes. Rebecca's at the edge of the window looking down. It would be so easy. Mr. Winter, yeah, I'm sorry. It yeah. would be so easy, wouldn't it? Just just look at look at outside. It would be so easy just to just jump. <laughs> and she is about to jump out. Mrs. Yeah. DeWinter, John Fontaine at this point, is about to jump, and then suddenly a flare uh, pops into the sky. And basically, they find the wreckage of Rebecca's boat, and this whole inquest is reopened up because what you come to find out is that Maxim identified a body about a year ago thinking it was Rebecca's, but it wasn't Rebecca's. He knew it wasn't Rebecca's body. There was this whole thing where um, Rebecca had been cheating on him. Yeah. And he... this, this part of the movie blew my mind. Okay. Because the whole movie, I was kind of like, the way Mr. Olivier's acting, uh-huh. did he kill her? Right. Did he murder his wife? Right. Right? And then marry Joan Fontaine just to get a quick, uh, you know. Right. So, shh. So. No anything. But this part blew my mind when you find out, spoiler alert, sorry, you find out that Rebecca was one of the most horrible people. Right. If you really knew her. Right. People from the outside her fart smell like, smells like roses. Right. But she was horrible. Like and the minute that she married him. Yeah. She told, she came right out and told him, I'll make you a deal. I will make you the most well-known man in the world and I'll make it look good, but you're going to put up, you're going to put up with everything because yeah. we're, because you're, because you're either going to deal with it or you're going to have to admit that this is a sham of a marriage because yeah. she found out everything about how terrible she was and all that. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. I was like, what? Because he actually hated she her. She was terrible. Yeah. Th- he hated her. Yeah. Yeah. From almost like the second, they were like the, the couple of days that they were married, he found out everything about her. Because earlier you're like, oh, he can't walk down to the dock because that's right. where she died. Right. Or in the waters, you know, those where the right. ship was because he loved her so much. Right. He just fucking hated her. And you think he I can't... couldn't? He just could not stand to be around that kind of shit. Think... Take off that fucking dress. Right. You, you think know. he can't be close to Joan Fontaine because because he's still he's, in love with her, right? Right. That's what that's what you're. Yeah, that, I was just like, whoa. Now we won't talk about the book because I'm not 100 percent clear on certain particulars of the book. Now I do know that he did kill her in the book. Uh, in the book, because did. she was evil. It was. Uh, or was he evil? I don't think he was evil in the book. But she was the same character in the book. She was the same... So he killed her because she was evil. It was like a heated thing where she wanted him to kill her. Oh. But he did end up killing her. Right. But it changed certain things in the movie. Okay. For certain reasons. And it wasn't a pre-code thing. It wasn't anything like that. Still, you know, classic Alfred Hitchcock directing. I was not expecting that twist. And I I did enjoy how when he's telling her all of this in the boathouse, how you see the camera as he's telling the story about how... Rebecca's not there, but he's he's shooting it as if he as if she were there. Yeah. And then the whole scene where um, he struck her and she looks like triumphant and all that, and then she falls and she hits her head on the. You don't see anything; she's not right, there, obviously. Right, right. But you see, he films it as if she were there. Yeah. It's yeah. a very interesting reversal of show don't tell because obviously yeah. she's not there. Right. We're being told it, and we're being half shown it because she's well, not there. But it's Hitchcock. It's yeah. the master. In 1940, so, of all, yeah, you know, it was so such early work from him. 
So um, we just go straight to the ending and talk about what happened to Danny, or should we leave that up to well, people who have never seen the film? I mean, it's. I mean, we've we've already talked about just about everything so yeah. far. So the inquest has opened up, and you know, there's the whole panic of they're going to think Maxim murdered her because he covered up the mur- he he covered up the suicide slash right. accidental death because right. it was it wasn't really a suicide, but he didn't kill her, but he also covered it up. Right, right, right. When once she fell and hit her head and died, he panicked. He threw her body onto her boat right. and then put holes into the boat so that it would sink. Right, right, and then right. he found another body, identified it as hers, and then the whole, the whole matter would be closed. And then yeah. they found her boat, found her body, and then everybody was just going to assume that he murdered her. Right, right. And then you found out that she was fucking her cousin, who thought that she was pregnant with Ill. his child. Ill. Well, that's, you know, <laughs> got to keep it in the family, right? And, um, <laughs> and uh, so the cousin comes around... And played by George Sanders, who was another actor back in the day, who was very, very flamboyant character in real life back in the day. And uh, he's trying to get Maxim buried into it. And he's in league with Danny. And uh, they're trying to, you know, basically get Maxim put away for it. And trying to push blackmail onto him and everything. And uh, But basically it all works out to where they realize that Rebecca, the, the inquiry finds out that Rebecca had cancer. And so it was likely a suicide. So you don't really find out that Maxim covered anything up. So Maxim is cleared of all wrongdoing. So everybody just assumes, oh, she killed herself. So that's all taken care of. But Maxim sends Joan Fontaine characters, Joan Fontaine character home back to Mandalay. And so George Sanders character calls Danny at the house and is like, hey, it was a suicide. She was holding out on us. She had cancer. So, yeah, Maxim's clear. Everyone's going to get what they want. Happy ending for everybody except for us. So, see you later, Danny. So, Maxim's driving home with his friend. And uh, he sees this huge light over by Mandalay. And he's like, uh, that's, it's way too early for the sun to be coming up. Yeah. And he's like, oh, shit, my house is on fire. The manor. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, basically, imagine. Danny says, oh, well, fuck this. Y'all yeah. ain't having your happy ending. And she torches Manley. And I love her face. <laughs> I love the glorious, you know, yeah. bug-eyed, super Joker smile. Yeah. While she's standing there in the flames and yeah. the house falls, but the mansion basically falls on her. Yeah, so everybody gets out. Yeah, that out. was great. Um, Mrs. DeWinter gets out. Everybody gets out. The, the staff get out, except for Danny, who dies in the rubble of flaming yeah. Mandalay. But Danny's the best part of the film. She really she's is. She's the reason to watch the movie. And, ha I was right. I was right. What? As soon as she showed up in the movie and as soon as I heard her voice, mm-hmm. I was like... Man, was she into the Ten Commandments? Oh, yeah? Yeah. So she was in the Ten Commandments. Uh-huh. Yes. Figures, right? Playing a very similar, kind of imposing character. Really? Right? Well, that was and a ne- voice. Yeah, Nefertiri, uh, Nefertiri in that movie ended up murdering her. Oh. Yeah, because she was getting in the way. Ah. Uh. But yeah, I was just like, that. she sounds so familiar. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I'm glad you Oh, the best part was the fun fact you shared with me after the movie. You yeah. remember? Yeah. Yeah. And this blew my mind. So go ahead. So I I pointed out, I asked you, so what was Joan Fontaine character's name? And I was I was trying to think. Uh-huh. Like, did I miss it? Yeah. I couldn't think. So she Rebecca's presence is so overpowering in the film. Right. She Joan Fontaine's character is never given a name. And it's like that in the book. And now 
in a totally accidental move, we ended up <laughs> going to another Alfred Hitchcock film. Yes. That you've been wanting to show me forever. One of my favorites. I used to watch this with uh, my family a lot. We used to watch this movie a lot. And it was one of those movies where, you know, I was young when I saw it. And it was one of those, oh no, my dad wants to show my parents want to show me an old movie. <laughs> yeah. Before I, you know, back when I was, I was an idiot. And before I appreciated, oh, you know. Black older. and white movies. Oh. Gross. God. Uh, but yeah, they sat me down and showed me a little film called Rear Window that was kind of remade a little bit, uh, was starring Shia LaBeouf called, uh, in a film called Disturbia. Mm -hmm. I believe it's Disturbia. I'm not positive, but I think that's what it was called. Which was a big hit, by the way. Um, when did Rear Window come out? 1954. 1954. We are in the 50s now. And... I regret watching it. It sucked. Yeah. I think it was a piece of garbage. That was one of the dumbest, cheapest. And again, it's one of those movies I watched young I thought was good. I bet now you Now that did. I'm an adult You're now. You're a chump, man. Watching it again. And what I was a just hack like, this is fraud garbage. Hitchcock was. <laughs> <laughs> no, again? I mean, I, I, it was fun revisiting it again because I haven't seen it in years. Yeah. And I bought the, the steelbook for it and I popped it in. It was like perfect timing. Let's keep the... The old school movie night going. And yeah. what did you think? Um, okay, so I, I had a feeling that I knew what the concept of Rear Window was going to be. Because, I again, I had never seen it. But it was one of those things where I think I knew the premise. So I knew going in what to expect. But what I wasn't expecting was how much voyeurism we ended up getting. And not in a bad way. Because what I really ended up liking was just how much of the neighbors we got to watch. Yeah. I really enjoyed... It's almost we got to know them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> through through Jimmy Stewart's, like, watching all of the lives of everybody, like, every day, constantly. Yeah. Like... Because he's wheelchair-bound. Yeah, he, he has a broken leg. Right. And uh, he's reliant He's on, a photographer. Yeah, he's a photographer. And so he's just like, he spends all day looking out his window, which is adjacent to these apartment complexes where all these people live out their lives with their windows open and they don't give a shit about who can watch them. And so there's like these, these multiple windows and then you can see out this alley that goes into the street and to this building across the street. And so you've got like, like a couple of windows across and then another window like to his left and there's like a couple of people in there and he just spends like all his time watching all these people and every single set of windows has like their own set of lives going on mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed that yeah. and I don't know why yeah. it was so weird but I, I really liked the look of the movie yeah. like it was clearly a set it was clearly like yeah. this closed artificial set but it added to the charm of the film. Yeah. And that could just be like my love of older things. Yeah. Like especially older cinema and yeah. how again but it was still convincing. Though. Again going it back to worked. like The Wizard of Oz when you yeah. see stuff like that, it mm -hmm. just it just looks like craftsmanship to me. That's what that set looked like to yeah. me. It just looked like a lot of work. Yeah. Because they're all going on simultaneously most yeah. of the time. A lot of these things they're happening yeah. at the same time. So there was a lot of coordination going on for mm -hmm. these scenes. Yeah. And I really like that too. It's just even though it's just even though it's the same area, mm. him looking across 
Yeah. To the other apartment complexes. It's so well directed. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I can't even fathom how he did it. Yeah. Like, just, okay, we're going to, and well edited as well. Yeah. I just don't see a movie like that now. Yeah. You know? It, it was, it was. But you have the, you have the young girl who's an aspiring dancer. They had, you know, uh-huh. had the, the, the what little... do they call her? The torso or something <laughs> like the that? Torso. Yeah. We had the sad uh, older lady who was having relationship problems. You know, we had the one really bad artiste older older lady. Yeah, yeah. We had yeah. The, the the lady who the, the one couple that kept always slept they outside. Slept outside, and they had the dog <laughs> in the basket. Yeah. All of that. But you can remember these characters because we did yeah. spend time with them. They had the bit. newlywed couple, right? That were they spent, fucking that, all? That just spent all week fucking. <laughs> And then it seemed like at one point they were already sick of each other, but yeah. they still just spent all day fucking. Yeah. And then they had the piano player, the yes. aspiring piano player that yeah. seemed like his life was going up and down. Yeah. Who kind of seemed like he ended up with the lonely lady at the end. Yeah. Kind of a little bit. The, it was his tune that uh, kept the lonely lady going. Yeah, because she almost killed herself yeah. by the end of the movie. That was yeah. a major plot point. Yeah. And then obviously um, Stuart has his relationship with Grace Kelly's character. Uh-huh. Um, who's like another attractive lady? Super, super, super rich socialite. Yeah, is she British? Um, I don't think she was British. Okay. Well, well, I have to look into that. All right. Anyway, um, and important. then obviously the main focal point of the these neighbors is uh, someone that I'll never look at the same way again. Perry doing... Mason. Yeah, Perry Mason. Mr. Raymond Burr. Jesus. Yeah, we're we're not. Mr. Raymond. Yeah. Jesus. Christ, you creep me out, Burr, which yeah. didn't, it's like, so unassuming, and it wasn't even like, it wasn't even like the, the traditional superimposing, I'ma creep you out, it was a very silent, yeah. under, like, menacing, but not in the traditional menacing, because you don't know. Yeah. You never really, and at one point, you don't even know what's really going on. Right. Because... All you know is that he has this sick wife. Yes. This bedridden wife. Yes. You hear a scream. Very needy. You hear, yeah. yeah you hear, you, you know that they're having marital relationship yes. issues because Jimmy Stewart's watching this this whole time. Yeah. You hear a scream at one point. Yeah. Stewart hears a scream. He looks around. He doesn't see anything. And then all of a sudden, no more wife. And then all of a sudden, you see the bed mattress rolled up in mm-hmm. Mason's apartment. Yeah. And then just no more wife. And, and then, then you see him start to move things out of the apartment. Many slowly. trips out late at night. Very with late a suitcase. At night. Yes. A large suitcase full of who knows what. Right. You see all these <laughs> things. Yeah. You, you see all these suspicious activities. And meanwhile, Stuart's very bored. Yeah. He's got time to, 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 to put all these things together that could be this, yeah. that, or the other. And, of course, you know, Mason's, uh, Perry Mason, Raymond Burr's character has got all these these uh, these answers to this and that and the other. Yeah. And um, and he's a jeweler and he's got, you know, he, he's got the suitcase full of jewels and all that. Yeah, because Perry Mason has this de- the uh, detective friend of his. That he, I'm sorry, Perry Mason. Stewart. J- yeah, Stewart has his detective yeah. friend of his. He keeps calling. He's like, I think he's doing this. Yeah. I, I think he, he, he planted something where the plants are. And maybe there's a finger down there. Yeah, we don't know. the dog sniffing at the, right. at the flowers at one point. And then Grace Kelly is coming in. And she's like trying to get in on it. Because <laughs> she, she's kind like, of cracking me up a little she's bit. She's like completely head over heels in love with, with Stewart's character. And he's an idiot. And he's like... <laughs> Lady, look, you're cute and all, but 
you know, you're just too high class for me because yeah. I like to live in the trenches. <laughs> what are you and your frilly manicured nails going to do when I'm living in the trenches and you've got like 10 suitcases of stuff and how are you going to live in the... Yeah, it's he, like, he was being a, he was being like, a dick a little it's bit. It's like, Jim, you're like 50 and yeah. you got a 20-year-old socialite trying to suck that. <laughs> are you fucking... <laughs> Are you fucking... So Thank you for the imagery, babe. I'm just... That's like, what I want to see. Now I'm thinking of, of I'm just old being, man Jimmy exactly, Stewart sausage. I'm just being realistic here. <laughs> I am being completely realistic here. I'm like, are you seriously balking at the idea that this young, firm blonde wants to hit that? Oh, and you're yeah. Like, and yeah. you're like... Keep going, baby. You know... I don't think you could hang with this. It's like, um, sweetie, yeah. she would probably annihilate you in the sack. <laughs> and you're worried about her not being able to keep up with you in the yeah. trenches. An, attra- of- an attractive woman that actually makes a lot of money. What are you doing? And you're Stuart? like worried that Stop she's complaining. not going to you know, fit in with your lifestyle. It's like, <laughs> oh, you're just worried that you're not going to be able to live up to her performance yeah. uh, needs <laughs> in bed. That's what's really thank you. going thank, on. Again, here. thank you for the imagery you are so of uh, Jimmy Anytime. Stewart noodle. Anytime. I appreciate the noodle Anytime. imagery. And uh, so you got you got that whole thing on, but she's like willing to go like the extra she was all mile. in. She like she put herself at risk. She like eventually gets into the apartment. She's like climbing. That was a the, great scene. Scaling the the balcony, trying to get in, like climbing the windows. She might have done her own stunt at one point. She was trying to get in uh, Raymond Burr's Raymond Burr's apartment. apartment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, towards later on, towards the end yeah. of the film, she like gets caught. In the apartment at one point, which was a really great scene, because yeah. you're seeing it all from Stewart's window. You never ever and he's freaking out. And what I yeah. also find interesting is that you never correct me if I'm wrong. Do you ever leave his apartment in the film? No. You never leave no. the apartment, right? No, I don't think so. You're always there. Uh huh. So you, because like, because I know that whole scene where she's in Raymond Burr's apartment. Right. You see it all from his perspective. Right. So you see the whole scene where she's rummaging through the bedroom yes. looking for the the, the, the right. evidence and all that. Mm-hmm. And you see Raymond Burr coming up the stairs and right. coming up to the apartment. And yeah. Jimmy Stewart and the, his his massage therapist is freaking out like, oh my God, what do we do? Yeah. And then she realizes that he's coming up the stairs and she tries to hide. Right. And she gets caught. Yeah. And Raymond Burr goes after her. Right. You see all that from Stewart's perspective. Yeah. And I'm thinking now that I think about it. You only see the outside of Stewart's window. At the end. Yeah. When the detectives show up. When he's hanging. Right. That's the only time. And that really goofy, really yeah, cute, when, old-fashioned composite shot when he when falls. He fall. Yeah, that's fine. You can forgive it because it's old. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, we never leave his apartment in the film. No. I'm trying to think. No. I'm, I might be wrong. No, because we, we, when you look at the street, that one little tiny sliver of street yeah. that you could see, that's as far as it goes. Right. That's it. Yeah, so you never really leave that environment. No. But you never, camera-wise, it's not like you ever travel into these people's nope. apartments. Like I said, that one scene where, where Grace Kelly gets caught by Raymond yeah. Burr, you see all of that from Stuart's apartment and their yeah. perspective. Yeah. Um, so I... I and the care- his caretaker cracked me up, too. Yeah, she was a fun... She was Because at first girl. she was like, I don't want a part of this. Yeah. You're an idiot. And then she what are you doing like with your life? And yeah. she's like digging the flowers out <laughs> with Grace <laughs> Kelly's character. And she's maybe like, there's, shit, I can't. Maybe there's fingers in the, uh, the, the garden. 
Uh, yeah, fingers in the garden. She's like running after the the moving van, trying to find the license plate. She's like all yeah, into it too. Yeah. And she, it was fun. And again, at first you don't really know. Yeah, if, you don't. If Raymond Burr is involved in it, and then because even you, even Stewart's detective friend gave up. Yeah, he's, he's like, like dude, dude, you're. He's this guy's clean. Yeah, you're fucking high, yeah. and you're you're just making shit up. You got yeah. nothing better to do. He put his wife on a train. Yeah, he's gonna meet with her. She wrote a letter. She wrote yeah. a letter, quote unquote, yeah. saying that you know they came back and that yeah. she's fine and yeah. blah blah blah. And so he gave up on him, and um, so. Eventually, obviously, he starts fucking with Raymond Burr and is yeah. like, "Hey, I know what you did." And so he, what, what was, what was the he like called him? Did he call? He, he called, called him, him on right? the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it ends up resulting in um, he finds out Raymond Burr finds out who yeah. called him because yeah. at one point when Grace Kelly gets caught, mm-hmm. she like yells out his name. She does that, but it's the scene where she 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 finds the wedding ring, right? The wife's wedding ring, and the murdered wife, and she has it behind her back. Yeah, and she's signaling. Yeah, uh, you know that, too. that she has it. Yeah, and then you get that great and then shot. He looks over. Yeah, you get that great shot of Raymond Bird looking up yeah. right at Stewart, and Stewart's like, "Oh, shake it back, get yeah, back, get back." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was great. Yeah, that, that was, was great. Yeah, and again, and Raymond Bird's got this this look. This whole film, he's, he's got, Perry like, Mason though. Yeah. Yeah. He's always the nice he's, guy. He's got like these glasses. But and in this movie. Frosted grayish white yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. again, he has this look where you wouldn't at first visually peg him to be intimidating and unassuming. Yeah. But it's when he's looking at you. Yeah. And then it's like, and even then, it's not until like when he actually comes up and confronts yeah. Jimmy and Stewart. You get a close up of him, yeah. Yeah, and then it's like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, but but just really great before we even get to the finale, really great directing. I think one of my favorite uh, moments early on in the movie when there's you know Stewart's discussing with you know his you know his uh, his tag team members, hmm. uh, Grace Kelly and the caretaker. Yeah, I think this has happened. I think this is going on, and they're looking across like you know in the Raymond Burr's apartment. All the lights are out, mm. and all you see is the, is the cigarette. Yeah, 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 all you yeah, see yeah. is the cigarette light. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you see the cigarette light come on uh-huh. and disappear. Uh-huh. So you don't know if he's looking at him or not. You don't know what he's doing. Yeah. But that stuff, Yeah. that is like great yeah. directing, man. Yeah, that yeah. That is like, holy shit. But yeah, he knows where Jimmy Stewart is. Mm. He's coming. Yeah. And uh, it's just... The finale was just again. It's the master, well crafted directing. You have no music, no music. Yeah. And you have footsteps. You hear footsteps coming up. Yeah. To Stewart, you know, coming up the steps, coming down the hallway, and you hear the door click, and he opens the door slowly, and he slowly comes in in a shadowy figure at first until you see him in light. And it's like, like you said, his eyes that look. Uh huh. Right? Subtle. Not like, I'm a big guy. I'm a yeah. slasher guy now. Yeah, it's blah, 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 very, blah. very under, yeah. like, low play. Like, not yeah. even it's like. It's like, I'm going to kill you now. You forced me to kill you. Kind of look. Yeah, yeah. And he was just saying, What do you want? I have no money. Uh huh. You know, or he asked him, Is it money? What do you want? You know? And a great shot of Stuart in the shadows. Because he's backed up, uh-huh. so he's kind of a little mysterious from Perry Mason's perspective. You don't know what you know, right? Yeah. But obviously, he could still tell he's wheelchair bound. And then Stewart has nothing. You know, he all he has is his camera, 
and he puts on the flash lens. Yeah. And uh, every time Perry Mason would come forward to get him, he'd you know take the picture, and uh, it would kind of blind uh, Perry Mason for a few seconds, and then he'd take his glasses off, and then he'd come again, and come again, until he finally grabs um, Stewart. And this is where you remember, even though sometimes he plays annoying characters, he's still a living legend, and this is why he's a living legend. Him freaking out and screaming the way he did <laughs> it's probably is this shows you how great jimmy stewart is uh-huh. as an actor yeah because you you can't that's that is like li- like literally like literal realistic panic yeah you know it wasn't just like oh no you know or ah he was just like <laughs> like he like you can tell he's <laughs> Because he can't fight back. Yeah. He has no legs. Yeah. So all he has is his arms, and, and Raymond Burr is grabbing him, slowly struggling with him to try to throw him out the window. Yeah. And Stewart's acting right there is like, this guy's fucking scared out of his mind. Yeah. I mean, this is just, just, mwah. <laughs> I mean, this is good, good shit. Right, right. And then luckily, the, the, the detective and everyone shows up to, to, to stop, uh, Raymond Burr, but Stewart still falls. Yeah. Uh, but luckily... And breaks his other leg. Yeah, that's, he, that was hilarious. His one leg was like 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 a week, like uh, just a couple days out of its... Ca- it was supposed to be a couple <laughs> weeks away from... Or, uh, when the yeah. when the beginning of the film it stated his his leg is one week away from being out of the cast yeah. and then this movie happens over the course of a couple of days so you figure by the end of the film his leg is due out of the cast at any day now yeah. so at this point he now has two casts on <laughs> he probably rebroke his other leg and yeah. now broke his second leg yeah. so yeah. now he's back in the cast but now yeah. he's like making out all slobber knocker like with Grace Kelly yeah, so he's not know, fucking around so you know anymore. he's hitting that yeah <laughs> with the wet Shriveled up noodle. Yes. That you have now put in my head. Thank Absolutely. You. You're wrong. But yeah, classic film. Yeah. I can watch it a billion times. Again, another one of those where after I saw it, I was like, ah, totally get it. Aha. Totally get it. <laughs> and now, last but not least. So this was the film where neither of us had seen this. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of jarring because we went from... Fat Ninja's been telling me about this for a long time. Yeah. He's like, you gotta see this movie, man. And it was funny because we went from... We went from 4K Wizard of Oz, which looked fantastic. Yeah. We went to Criterion films, which were black and white, so they looked Still look good. Pretty good. Because it's Criterion. And then we had one black and white and one color, which there was only one scene in Rear Window that looked really shitty. Yeah. And then everything looked great. Yeah, and it we was don't, good we, enough. We don't know what happened yeah. to that one scene, but aside from that, it looked pretty good. Yeah, <clears throat> and the hospital looked pretty good. It was it's black and white, so it didn't matter. Yeah, I mean it does it it, it does matter, but when it's black and white, there's there's only so much you can do. Yeah. Um, and then we went to this Blu-ray, which was a very old Blu-ray, so yeah. it was jarring because it did not look that. Yeah, I was great. like, is this what is this DVD? Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but it did not detract from our enjoyment. Of neither the of us had seen this. No. And heard that about it for years. Was 1963 directed by John Sturgis, The Great Escape? Yes. Starring my boy Steve <laughs> McQueen. That's right. The Getaway Son. <laughs> Bullet. Magnificent Seven. <laughs> Which is a fun fact you just told me. You want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. So, apparently, director John Sturgis um, directed The Magnificent Seven, 
which was a remake of Akira Kurosawa's uh, Seven Samurai. Mm-hmm. And John Sturgis got to meet Akira Kurosawa, who told John Sturgis that he loved The Magnificent Seven. Mm-hmm. And John Sturgis reportedly said that as a filmmaker, that was the proudest moment in, in his career, which I thought Aww, was very sweet. That is awesome. Which is great to hear that both directors mm-hmm. were very respectful towards each other. Because that doesn't always happen. But anyway, <laughs> that, was very, true. that was very nice to know. You know, the beginning of the movie kind of threw me off. And you know why? Mm. It was because of the iconic score, the theme of the movie. I guess we didn't which know what it was Which was from. so iconic that yeah. I, I was like, oh man, I remember this theme. I've heard of this theme, but I didn't know it was from The Great Escape. Right. But it kind of threw me off because I was kind of like, oh, is this a comedy? Right. <laughs> I was like, is this a military comedy? Yeah. Because it, it was kind of had a light little... Da, 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 da. You know, it kind of had that kind of feel tone to it. Yeah. So I was like, is this a comedy? And totally, <laughs> totally, this movie does kind of venture yeah, in that some, direction a couple of times. There's some funny moments, yeah. Which I thought was an odd choice. Right. Given the subject matter. Right. Because or lighthearted. Essentially, yeah. this is a POW film. Yeah. Prisoners of War. This is a film. World War Two. World War Two. you got this Prisoners of War, which is loosely based on a true story. Where uh, uh, you've got these prisoners of war who come up with this escape plan. And the plan, the initial primary objective is to escape. Yes. But, and they do state this in the film, it's it's to escape. But also, their goal, their secondary goal is to tie up the Nazi resources so that they're so busy trying to catch the escapees that they're diverted from the war effort also. So that was kind of like a, it's like a, a bonus, like icing right. on the cake. So they, you know, they, they want to escape, obviously, because you, know, you don't want to be locked up in a prisoner of war camp. But they also wanted to, you know, kind of like throw a wrench in the war machine. Uh, which I thought was a very interesting thing to, you know, have their, be their secondary goal. So... Um, obviously for dramatic effect, you've got, you know, this, the American actors, uh, Steve McQueen's character was based on a couple of different people, but not Americans. Um, yeah. James Coburn. Right. Playing an, uh, an Aussie. Yeah. An Aussie guy. It was very odd. Charles Bronson, which freaked you out, but because he looked normal. He was, I'm not (laughs) used to Charles Bronson playing normal, pleasant people. Um, I thought he was given a very interesting quirk. He ended up being, um. Claustrophobic. Yeah, claustrophobic. Yeah. Which was very, very interesting, especially given the position he was. Yeah, the dig throwing tunnels. Him, yeah, throwing himself into. Like, he ended up throwing himself into a tunnel to save somebody. And then at one point, he's in the tunnel and he's just like, I can't do this yeah. anymore. Which yeah, is very interesting. Yeah. Um, Donald so, Pleasance. Donald Pleasance is in it. Um, what's that? What's and our boy, he was kind of. It was kind of his whole plan to begin with to try to help get this escape plan together. Richard uh, Attenborough. Richard Attenborough. Um, John Hammond from Jurassic Park. Yes. For some of you younglings. Yes. You might not even know. Welcome to so, Jurassic Park. Right. Which has been uh, bastardized into another franchise now. But anyway. <laughs> um, and also, uh, what's his name? Um, that other guy. Who were you forgetting? That, that one guy that... Um, that other guy that had the TV show. The... the the other guy that had the TV show. Oh my god. The other guy that had the TV show. Dude, the other American. Oh my god. Which, is that a TV show? Yeah, he had a TV show. It was, uh, 
Oh my god. I can't believe I've totally drawn a blank here. Um, give me a sec. Well, while she's searching for that, yeah. the funny thing is we saw a sliver scene from this movie in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. When uh, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio's character was trying out for the role uh, that Steve McQueen actually ended up getting. So they superimposed Leonardo DiCaprio in a scene from The Great Escape, which was kind of funny. We got a kick out of it. But yeah, that was the first time we saw anything. Did you mention him already? James Garner. Oh, James Garner. Yeah. Yes. Okay, he yeah. He was the guy. The Rockford that. Files. Yeah. That show. Right. Which I could not remember. Anyway. But yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, um, so the show, I mean, the movie kind of starts off kind of comically, because it, like, already starts off with, okay, cooler. Like, we're already setting up that Steve McQueen's, like, this character where he's just, like, no shit. thrown in the hole. No shit's yeah. given, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And they, they Who's had a history of exp- escaping prisons yeah, before. Yeah, him and yeah. The, the Scottish guy, I think he was Scottish. Yeah. And they they have this kind of, like, early relationship set up where they both kind of get keep getting thrown in the cooler and they have their own plan to escape but in the meantime you got attenborough and his crew Mm -hmm. and they're coming up with a heavy hitting plan right they're the ones that come up with all the tunnel plans to escape digging the tunnels yeah and had great cover-up uh plans as well yeah and it's in case one of the tunnels gets found out they had backups yeah and they've got them throughout different points of the uh of the of the camp and different areas mm-hmm. of the camp, and uh, McQueen and the Scottish guy <clears throat> make a couple of attempts. They get caught every time they get come back. They get sent to the cooler, and at one point, the Scottish guy he just loses it. Yeah, he and can, he yeah. just he he's gotten he's gotten just too he's just gotten too soured over it, and he eventually tries to kind of escape but he knows it's gonna happen and yeah. he he basically just says screw this i'm leaving in front of everybody and he gets he gets killed and so at this point mcqueen's just kind of like kind of like desperate but also kind of like shit that sucks and attenborough goes to him and he's like hey you're gonna keep escaping right he's like yeah i'm gonna keep trying to escape he's like well how about if you try to escape you get caught but every time you go out you start making maps for us. And McQueen at first is like, fuck you. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm not going to do that. And eventually McQueen agrees to it. Right. It takes like right. another uh, time for him to get caught and get brought yeah. back. And eventually he starts going out, yeah. making maps of the area mm-hmm. and then coming back with the, with but, the Intel. But some very fun, clever moments of them just covering up what they're doing. Yeah. Going out in the, you know, outside and they're like, Kicking the dirt from their pants. Yeah, yeah. They, they yeah. come up with all these different kinds of. Uh, they're doing exercises, or they're they're doing a, a chorus. They're singing yeah. a man's men's choir. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah to cover up different things. And yeah. They got like the the dirt in their socks. Like they have yeah. these contraptions in their yeah. pants to unload the dirt that that they're bringing out from the yeah. different areas of the county. Yeah, but it, 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 like like I said in the beginning, the tone was was kind of lighthearted, a little funny, especially when our guys were well first the british soldier i don't know i forgot what rank he was but he was the one meeting up with the warden of that prison uh-huh. and he was basically telling them you know who you got here uh-huh. all right these boys are going to try to escape so you already know this because uh-huh. that's their job right right but it was kind of in a playful dialogue you know and then they try to escape and they get caught oops yeah Oh, there's that Charles Bronson trying to get out, and it was yeah. uh, this is why I was kind of like, is this kind of a, like, a like fun is this, is this Hogan's Heroes? Yeah. It's like, what is this? <laughs> and then, 
Yeah. <laughs> the movie slaps us in the face and brings us back to reality. Uh, spoiler alert, we're going to go into it here, but it's interesting because when you the whole time when you're thinking of The Great Escape, The Great Escape, you're thinking of once they escape the prison, that's The Great Escape. Yeah. But what you don't know is The Great Escape is getting out of the fucking country. Yeah. That's The Great Escape. Yeah. And... Once they get out of there, I was, you know, it's not like, oh, the movie's over. They they, they escaped the prison. Yay. Oh, no. Yeah. No, they got to try to get out of the country, and they're hunted. Yeah. And this is where I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, it just, it keeps, This it, is getting well, dark now. Well, this was, is getting dark. It was crazy because, first of all, now keep in mind, and this is something, if you've never seen the movie before, settle in. Because this movie is, is uh, almost three hours long. Yeah. And I'm, I'm talking, we're pushing. It like, didn't feel long, though. It, it feels long, but in the way that you would expect it to because you have a lot of characters. Yeah. And you have a lot going on. Yeah. There's a I lot. I guess I mean of, I wasn't bored. Yeah, that's yeah. what it, it's, it's, it's a lot of ground to cover. So it, it doesn't, it's not boring if you know what you're in for. Right. And the type of movie that you're watching. So it's not long in a bad way. And so you got to settle in, you got to be ready for it. So. What 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 I found really crazy was once they finally start getting out, the shit starts going down. Yeah. So they're in the tunnel, and they're trying to get a lot of people out. That's the goal is to get like a couple of hundred people out. Yeah. And the power they get the power off, and that the power comes back on. But they find out that the tunnel is too short. It's too short. They they try to get the tunnel to go. There's like these set of woods outside of the the camp. And so they want to get the tunnel out from underneath the the out the, the the border fence yeah. into the woods, and that was the plan. But Steve McQueen, well, they they find out. Oh shit! Steve McQueen gets out, and he's like, "Shit, guys, we're like we're like several feet short of the woods. Yeah. We're still in the eye line of the guards. Right. But if we do this right, we can bring a we can bring one of you in like every so often, like when they're not looking. I'll give you the signal, and then you can come through." Well, at one point they get the power off and so people can come pouring in. But aside from that, it's like one person like every couple of minutes. Well, at one point, power gets popped back on. Somebody gets impatient. Yeah. Because you got this one guard that, that come, like walks right up to the tunnel hole. And he's like looking and looking and looking. And this one dude, he gets impatient and he jumps up and the guard sees him. And so that cuts off their escape plan. So only like 70 some odd people end up making it out. Right. And so... They were expecting, what, 200? They were expecting, yeah, like a couple hundred people. <clears throat> yeah. So you got Steve McQueen gets out. Richard Attenborough gets out. James um, Coburn. James Coburn gets out. Bronson. James, Charles Bronson gets out. Um, uh, oh, your boy man from... Man from Uncle. Dude, the Man from Uncle. I can't Uncle. remember his name. I'm sorry. He gets out. Um, yeah. James Garner gets out. Donald Pleasant gets out. Pleasance gets out. Um, so they get out. A couple of other, you know, no names. Garner. Yeah. James... I see. Yeah, a couple of other no namers people. Kind of sucked about Pleasance's character. Yeah, slowly going blind. Yeah, he sucked. he started, but by the time he gets out, he's like almost completely blind. But anyway, yeah, yeah go ahead. Um, so they all get out, but it was a lot less than what they wanted. But they do end up tying up people in the escape option. I mean, in the escape uh, uh, process, because uh, they're getting hunted. Yeah. So yeah, it was like so the escape itself was nerve wracking because of the shortage, and that was actually something that really happened. Right. The tunnel was short of the woods. Right. Which was crazy. 
Um, but so, so they're running and they're, 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 you know, fleeing the, the pursuit and all that. And so they all have to splinter off into groups or, you know, not necessarily into groups, but they're all splintering off and trying to just, you know, make their escape. Some get lucky like Coburn and they meet up with the resistance that kind of sneaks them out. Yeah, which I found Bronson that was, that and was kind of a funny, I don't know if it was meant to be funny, but it was kind of a funny scene. <laughs> oh, when they, they got mowed down, the German soldiers got mowed down. Yeah, the, he, he ends up at this like cafe, this outdoor cafe, and you've got these two German soldiers sitting at the table. And Coburn's sitting there, and then you got the one or the two dudes at the the the, the counter at the at the at the cafe or whatever. Yeah. And um, oh, they're all like uh, such and such. You get a phone call. Yeah. And they're signaling Coburn. And then they both hide behind the counter, and Coburn's like, "What the hell?" And he goes over there, and all of a sudden, this car pulls up, and they just like waste. Yeah. The, the, it, the Nazi soldiers and you yeah. find out that the people at the del- at the, the resistance the, they're part of the resistance yeah. and so he actually he gets to yeah. escape Bronson and them escape by ship yeah but uh, so the rest of the the rest of the movie after that initial escape is just some have identity changes yeah which Steve McQueen's like going fucking he rogue. says fuck it and, and of he, course because he's the because he's the man which he's got to he, do some he, motorcycle stunts he wanted that he had that scene yeah. put in there just for him to show off <laughs> um and so that that all there's just but at least at least at Burl and the the guy from Man from Uncle at least they had you know different identities they had like papers and at least they had a little bit better plan than some of the others yeah but they they tried but they, they tried. got they yeah. got tripped they up still, one of them yeah. one of the Nazis spoke English to him and tripped him up with that yeah. one thing that that one guy was like don't let English trip you up yeah and he he got tripped I up was like, by it damn it yeah and um so basically of like the seventy people that escaped they ended up capturing like most of them and we only see like three people escape and so fifty of them get carted off to somewhere 20 of them get sent back to camp and now in the movie what ends up happening is that attenborough some of them end up getting killed and right. this that and the other like donald pleasance gets killed right does garner get killed or I does he get sent back i think he got sent back okay so pleasance got killed man from uncle got killed right i can't remember i can't believe i forgot his name i know his name too um but anyway uh, my mom would just slap me right now because <laughs> I can't remember his name. Um, David McCallum. Okay. Yeah, I remembered his name. Um, uh, but Steve McQueen, he tries valiantly, tries to make the jump over the fence, but he yeah. gets captured. He mm-hmm. gets sent back. Right. Richard Attenborough, the guy he's with, they all get captured, carted off into this giant truck, and instead of getting taken back to the camp, they pull over onto this hillside and they go, hey, or it's going to be a while before we get back to the back. Get out and stretch your legs. Yeah. And we're like thinking, and I'm thinking this whole time, if these people have been making a career out of escaping these prisoner of war camps, why haven't the Germans just been shooting them? Why haven't the Nazis just been shooting them for escaping and all that? Why have they been bringing them back? I know there's... Paul, I know there's like rules of war and all right. that, but well, you, you notice also in the movie they got rid of the warden. Yeah, I did notice that. They they kicked him I out. I did notice that. By who the knows way. where they were taking him? Maybe he was getting dusted. He was probably too. Yeah. Um. But so they they take him out and they yeah let's let go ahead and do stretch your legs and I'm thinking mm, that's suspicious. Yeah. And so you see Attenborough having this conversation with his other friend and he's like you know for the first time. Actually, uh, during all this, I felt alive. Yeah. And then you hear this 
click, click. Yeah. <laughs> and you turn around and it's just, just, just that was it. hail of bullets. Yeah. And basically 50 dudes are just murdered. Yeah. And uh, that was that. I was that. like, whoa, this movie. Turned. Come to find out, yeah. that's not what happened verbatim in that scenario. Okay. But. In real life. 50 men were shot. Okay. They were either shot individually or in groups while escaping. While escaping. But there was no mass shooting like that. Right. But they were killed. Okay. They were all killed like that. Yeah. So of the 70 that escaped, 50 were killed. Wow. Um, so yeah, the rest go back. Steve McQueen goes back. Right. And as the whole the whole motif is every time he got sent back, he had this baseball glove. And then the ball. And somebody would throw him his baseball glove with the ball, yeah. and he'd get sent back to the cooler, yeah. and he'd sit in the in the cooler and throw the ball. At the wall, back at him. It. Yeah. But and, it was kind of, it was kind of, you know, the movie kind of went full, full circle there because the theme came back on. Yeah. You know, and McQueen's just like, oh, I'm back. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. He, he, you know, his character was very nonchalant. You know, happy-go-lucky, despite the circumstances, you know. And he went back in there, and yep. that was the end of the movie, man. There's no happy ending. No, it was it I mean, was kind a, of few, a few made it. It was In the movie, a few, a few made, made it. it. But, and, you know. The movie didn't really celebrate that, though. Yeah. It but was it just, was just like. Yeah. So much for the lighthearted <laughs> movie that I thought I was going to get. The yeah. Hogan's Heroes movie. Oh, that kind of a theme. Yeah. It's a prisoner of war movie. Yeah. You wouldn't it wouldn't make sense for a prisoner of war. Any type of war film should never be lighthearted. Right. right. So, you know, in that aspect, yeah, it shouldn't have been lighthearted, but Yeah. yeah. Right. So that was But uh, it didn't last long though. The the lighthearted parts though. But yeah, the great escape was 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 getting out getting out of the country, man. Because I was wondering, I was just like, okay, they some of them got out. From the tunnel, and they made it past the prison. All right, yay! Nope. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Yeah. So that really tripped me out, and I really felt the weight of the movie. Mm-hmm. And and then that was my moment of going, aha. Yeah. I see you, movie. Now I know why people talk highly of you. So yeah. that was my, aha. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, great movie. Yeah. Great escape. Great so, movie. So. So as a complete opposite, not to harp on our, on our, 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 our... You going to talk about Roller Gator again? No, not to harp on our martial art movie marathon that didn't go well. <laughs> if you guys are curious, watch our previous Verbal Nectar episode where we go into detail of the martial arts films we did watch for the whole weekend. I mean... You'll get a kick out of it. So. I mean, we cheated because one of these movies we knew we enjoyed... And two of these movies I knew I enjoyed, and two of these movies you knew you enjoyed. Right. We still had a much better time. Yeah. Because they're some all of these, classic films that we watched. We didn't waste our time. Yeah, and some of these movies, like you know, I don't watch these movies all the time. Like the three that I had that I had seen before, and the two that you hadn't seen mm-hmm. or that you had seen before. We yeah. don't watch these movies like all the time. No. So sometimes when you don't watch a movie for a while like take their example of the wizard of oz right we were going back watching this movie having seen it so many times in our lives and we were like oh my god laughing at things that still well you know, you know great films are like that though when yeah you, when you revisit them sometimes you'll notice new things yeah you know yeah so. and it was just it was nice having a day where you, you you revisit some things that you know you've seen so many times and and getting to watch it with somebody who hasn't seen it before and then getting to cap it off with something that we hadn't seen before, it was just a really fun day. 
So yeah. it was it was nice. It was a nice little yeah, nice little time. And who knows? The very next weekend, we're gonna watch Samurai Cop. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be nothing but B movies. I mean, you know, you never know. It'll I'm be nothing looking, but B films, man. Right now, I'm looking at uh, what are we looking at here? D Day Battle of Omaha Beach. Fuck you for buying that for me, <laughs> by the way, you bastard. Uh, I'm looking Wait, at which one is it? That that awful D- that D-Day awful that Battle awful of asylum Omaha. movie that you bought me. <laughs> that was a Midway ripoff with Randy, not Randy Couture. Yeah, Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell and Nicolas Cage's son. Made by the Asylum to capitalize on that Midway movie that didn't do anything that was directed by Roland fucking Emmerich, who had no business directing a Midway film last year that nobody talks about because it didn't do anything. We have the gag gif tradition, and it was a gag gif. That Neenid Lustig has now jumped in on, thanks Neenid. (laughs) Anyway, bought me fucking Hellfest, you you crazy motherfucker. (laughs) What the fuck, dude? You go and waste your hard-earned money on Hellfest. What the hell, my dude? Anyway, look. Thank I'm, you, Needed. Thank you. Her fan- reaction was worth it. It was all worth it. I'm, I'm glad you did it. I'm looking at Phantom Racer. I'm looking at Outpost Rise of the Spetsnaz. 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 Fuck it. Inbred. I'm looking the at The Sand. A dead Girl. Dead Girl. Uh, hell. A, found. A Dark Song. Uh, uh, what do we got? Five Girls. Oh, God. Blood Cello. Uh, Patrick. There's just so much shit yeah, here. We, yeah, who knows? You never, who knows you never what next know weekend will... what we're going to talk about. Because <laughs> we've just got so much shit to watch. And yet we have streaming services. And, and we have no business having streaming services. Because we have thousands of movies that we own. <laughs> that we haven't watched. She's like, what's wrong with us? It's fun. Uh, anything else you want to talk about with these films? Before we wrap it up? Um, for the I, five listeners that's going to listen to this podcast, because we're talking about old movies. If you haven't seen any of these films, or if you haven't seen some of the films, and if we haven't completely spoiled them for you, or if you if we spoiled them but you still are curious and you haven't seen them, um, I hope you can give them a shot. Uh, that's one of the, that's probably been one of my favorite things about this channel, aside from meeting people from all over the world, not physically face to face, but right. you know, talking to people from all over the world. Is that and using this podcast medium as yeah, well? Yeah. Is that um, we've been able to, and that's that's one of the joys of social media is that we've been recommended films that we never would have heard about, and yes. we've been able to recommend films that other people would never have considered, and we get to share films that some people would never have considered or heard of, and they turn around and tell us, "Hey, we heard about this from you guys, and we loved it. Thanks. Here's something that you may not have heard of. Here you go." And I love that because at the end of the day, if you're listening to us or if you watch our videos, you might be doing so because you love movies too. And as we've stated before, we love movies and we're kind of sick about it. And and it's something that if you love it and you understand why we talk about it and why we can be as insanely passionate as we are about it, there's, you understand why we are the way we are. And, uh, it's it's nice to to share that with people and uh if if you can give older films a chance i always i always try to recommend that same thing with the same mentality with foreign films if you can give give it a chance please try Mm -hmm. because i would not have the repertoire and the love of cinema that i have had i not given foreign cinema a shot back in the day Mm -hmm. like imagine 
imagine my lack of experience with movies if I hadn't ever watched John Cocteau's Beauty and the Beast or if I hadn't started watching Jackie Chan films back in the day. You know, I never, I might never have started talking to you had I never started watching Jackie Chan movies. Yeah. If I hadn't started watching anime back in the day, which is obviously very foreign, you know, Mm -hmm. because that was a big part of why you and I started, you know, hanging out. Yeah. Because of our common love of other things that was not American. Right. And I know that a lot of people got butt hurt that um, uh, Parasite won Best Film of the Year for the Oscars. Uh, that's a thing, by the way. I got to show you some stuff on YouTube. Uh oh. Oh yeah, it's funny. It's <laughs> kind of funny. Um, and I under- I can understand that to an extent, but that might just be because you're not your 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 horizons have not been broadened. Right. And I'm not saying that, oh, we're just so much better than you because we love these things that you don't. You just don't get it. It's not about that. No. When it comes to cinema, it's 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 a it's a language. It's a universal language. That's yeah. the whole point. It's like it's just something that it's like if it's not your cup of tea, I get it. It's cool. It's fine. I there's some cinema out there that I won't touch with a ten foot pole, and I admit it. It tends to be more on the romantic comedy side you're not going to catch me watching a Kristen bell film you're not going to catch me watching a twilight movie you're not going to catch me watching certain films because they're just not my cup of tea and i that's nothing there's nothing wrong with that beauty and the beast the fantasy story is something you grew up with yeah and that's something that's as as far as you'll go yes in turn but you won't go out and watch all the twilight movies is what you those the point you want to get across but there's a reason why beauty and the beast is still with me i think it's probably because of my childhood right um and tale as old as time yeah i guess so but can't think of the rhyme it's fine it's good um (laughs) be our guest be our guest put something don't demonetize this stop it (laughs) and um (laughs) put something to the test (laughs) i don't know the lyrics put our youtube dollars to the test and um anyway I, i i hope if you haven't you know ever considered watching these you know, maybe that we've given you a rundown and we've warned you, hey, these are old. Some of these are maybe look a little old yeah. in the tooth because they are, but they're worth it. Hopefully, sometimes our enthusiasm will kind of maybe like be like, hey, maybe it's not so bad. I want to do more of these. You I really know, do. I, I want to do more podcasts where we talk about older films. Maybe we could do a mixture, talk about old and new. Yeah. It's fun. That's why we're here. And very well said uh, to end the. Uh, in the podcast, so yeah. segue out of here. And if Very in the well end, it's, if in the end it's not your cup of tea, hey, at least you gave it a chance. Yeah, at least you, you know? gave it a chance. At least you are aware of it. And yes, I have watched some romantic films back in the day, romantic mm-hmm. comedies back in the day. I have as good as it gets. You enjoyed that one, Jack Nicholson. I don't remember it. <laughs> you liked it though. I don't remember it, but yeah. I'm sure I was fine with it. But yeah, yeah I yeah. have watched. Them, but back in the day, and it's just again, it's not something that I actively yeah. seek out. I'm just saying, I gave it a shot. I gave Rebecca a shot. Yeah, I was fine. Uh, yeah, and again, yeah. it's not one of those films where I can explain to you why I like Rebecca. Yeah. I'm not gonna call up, you know, Aishan Montalvo yeah, or and Sexy Ninja Sumo. Over there. And hey, man, exactly. y'all need to get your asses over here. We gonna watch right. Rebecca, son. Yeah, and it's not. <laughs> 
It's not something that I would be like making a, a, a 30 minute video on and being like, hey, y'all, y'all, you gotta be watching some Rebecca because this movie is just like, no, it's just it's just a movie where, again, it's like if you settle in, it's raining outside and you're you're in the mood for a good, moody, atmospheric black and white movie that you've never seen before and you can settle down for two hours, 10 minutes. Hey, give Rebecca a shot. Yeah. You know? I, I see Rear Window probably being the most accessible out of the all these movies that we just watched. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe because there's there's more going on than in The Hustler because The Hustler's too personal. Yeah. The Hustler's The Great personal. Escape is long. Yes. It's very long. Yeah. But... I mean, The well, Wizard of Oz is very obvious and colorful. Actually, Wizard of Oz would probably be, be the, but the unless, most But some people don't like fantasy and musicals. Or musicals, yeah. So, yeah. you know. But... We did enjoy ourselves watching these films, and uh, we don't recommend you watch Roller Gator. That's going to be a theme. I think every podcast, we're just throwing Roller Gator. Woof. And, um, <laughs> and you know what? It's going to backfire, and people are going to go out and search for Roller Gator, and they're going to want to watch it. Don't, yeah. don't watch Roller Gator. No, don't do it. Just, don't do it. Just... We like you. We like you. But uh, again, you can find us knuckleheads on our YouTube channel, That Fat Samurai Guy. Please head over there and like, subscribe, and follow us. Follow us, ridiculous people. And um, thanks again, all you badasses, for listening to this Verbal Nectar podcast episode. You can listen to this podcast and others, older episodes on Anchor FM, Spotify, and Google Cast, and many more. We'll put the links in the description box below if you're watching, or excuse me, listening to this on our YouTube channel. All right, we think again. Thank all you badasses for watching. We'll see you guys next time. You guys fucking rock. And peace out, Jimmy Stewart, Needle Dick. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs>